Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He's my co-host. I'm producer Zach Goodman. It is a beautiful, cloudless day here in the greater Baltimore area. Orioles, winners 9-4 over the previously second best in baseball, Atlanta Braves, last evening. But before we get to that, I want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by, well, Today's show is brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get five second chance bets at... uh, What? What? Get five second chance bets at PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. Just go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. Before we get started, Zachary uh, Allen Goodman. um, Nope. I I know that. I call you Zachary Allen Goodman frequently and you say nope every time. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing it too. What's your real name? It is Nicholas, but also there's no Zachary. It's just Zach. Not Zachary? It's not Zachary. Your parents just named you Zach? They did. Yeah. And by the way. I don't think I've ever met a Zachary that was just Zach. No, and nobody spells it right. I mean, I, I don't think I ever met a Zach that was just Zach, not Zachary. Uh, for everyone watching, it is a K. It's not an H. But nobody seems to understand. Your, your last name is not Z- your your first name is not Zach. It is not Zach or Zach. It's not Zach. <laughs> it's 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 Zach. I feel like every uh, Z A C I know is just uh, I don't maybe. Know. They're, they're you like, know, I used the, to like the Zachs and Zachs with with the H's and the K's are like the normal people. But then you have the the ones without the H's and the K's, and that's the people you don't. Uh, I don't know. My cousin you don't Zach. Vibe with. Is Zachary, and mm-hmm. his first name is spelled with an H. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was quite the athlete growing up. Mm-hmm. We used to call him Zach Man instead of Pac Man. Or I'll pass on that nickname. Or Gene Zach Man. Wow. <laughs> Gene, Gene Zach Man. Even worse. Anyway, I, nobody called him that except for me, and I don't think I ever called it to him. Mm. Um, okay. Well, wow. What a start. Um, I did used to have a roommate, a dude, big guy, uh, whose birth name is Jess. J E S. Hmm. Only Jess I've ever known, whose name is just J-E-S, Jess. Not Jesse, Jess. What if he was Jessica, but no, he just didn't tell you because he was pa- embarrassed. He'd pound you into the ground. <laughs> he would pound you into the ground if you oh. called him. He's a, he's, a, he's a big guy. Yeah. He's a big, and he's, he's a great guy. Going to get drafted great. next year? No, I'm, dude, we're 38 years old. You never know. No, I know. Ben Cleveland's like 38 years old. He still got drafted. Anyway. Ben Cleveland? No, nah, Ben Cleveland is on the older side. Hayden, by the way, Hayden Hurst was like 26 when he was drafted. 25. So Paul, 20, never, 25. Brandon, never, Brandon Whedon was 28. It's never Hendon too late. Hooker's 25 already. There you go. Stetson um, Bennett's 26. What the hell is happening right now? I don't even know. I don't, get, do you want to open your window? It's too beautiful out to uh, look to have the blinds closed. You know? People need to see need to see the Goodman. I didn't the Zach Man Goodman. Yeah, the the Nicholas Goodman. I didn't uh, close it, so that was I know our you, good I, buddy I, I know Griffin, you most likely. I know you didn't, but it was um I don't know. Maybe he was blinded by the light yesterday. Yeah, that's revved up like great, a deuce. Another great runner Bruce in the Springsteen night. song. Just saying. that's that's Bruce written by Bruce. Okay, okay. The the Man, I, look Manfred Man made it popular, but it was written by Bruce. Huh. It is on his Welcome to Adjunct Park, New Jersey, in 1972. His I first, hate how much you know his about first Bruce studio Springsteen. Album. You and Ken Wyman should go get a beer. <laughs> I would love to get a beer with Ken Wyman. A beer, not a beer. I would love to get a beer. Oriole <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> show, Paul. Yeah. Um, but no, I want to talk about traffic real quick. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, let's do it. I have noticed how many people, at least in the state of Maryland, don't know how to drive. So let me give you a, free, a few tips here. Okay, let's do if it. If you're coming, if you're turning right onto a road 
on a green light and I'm turning left, you have the right of way, turning right. Turning right on a green light and the person coming in the opposite direction is turning left, you have the right of way. You can turn right on red unless there's a sign that says no turn on red. That's why they make those signs because otherwise you can turn on red. A lot of people don't know this. In the state of Maryland, if you're turning left onto a one-way road, you can turn left on red. You're allowed to do that. Um, what else? You have a blinker. For I actually did not know that. Yeah, and now I said a lot of people in Maryland don't know that. You I can. Um, another one. You have a blinker for a reason. Freaking use it. If I'm trying to turn left onto a road and you're oncoming traffic and you're turning right onto the road that I'm turning left off of, turn on your freaking blinker so that I can go. What else? <laughs> oh, what happened to me on my way in today is I'm coming down Lock Raven Boulevard. Uh, th- th- there's a place called Lock Raven Boulevard, right? Anyway, Zach, you did say how many times am I going to sing on the show today? That's one. I think, yeah, I set the over-under at three. Yeah, the over-under at three, that's one. He came in and sang like six songs before we even got started. It's, so. just, it's a singing kind of day. Look how beautiful it is outside. It is. Also, and my final gripe for today, if I'm coming down a parkway, a highway, a roadway, any kind of way that I'm driving on, and you don't have a merge lane, and you're coming off a ramp that comes into traffic with me, you have to yield. I don't have to stop to let you in. So if I'm keeping pace with traffic and you just get into my lane, I'm going to honk my freaking horn at you. I did this because somebody, they came off the ramp from 695, and instead of stopping at the yield sign, that's what the yield sign means. It means Mm -hmm. yield to oncoming traffic. That is what that means. That's what that means. They just blew right through that yield sign, and they uh, merged right in front of me, caused me to have to slam on my brakes, otherwise they would have driven me into the other lane and caused a car accident. And so I honked, and the guy just went, and he waved me off, and the woman was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> just before that, coming down uh, Cromwell Bridge Road mm-hmm. by Lock Raven High School, uh, the person in front of me just flat out ran a red light. Oh, nice. They didn't even stop. They nice. just went straight through it. Hmm. So we are now, what, seven minutes into the show and haven't talked a lick of baseball. Orioles, they beat Orioles. They beat the Braves last night, nine to four. Mm-hmm. Dean Kramer, of all people, Dean Kramer outdoels Max Fried yeah. last night, who who had allowed one run mm-hmm. all season. Mm-hmm. Came into the game last night with an 0.45 ERA. Orioles touched him up for seven runs, yeah. five earned. Cedric Mullins took him. Cedric Mullins took him deep. He right? did. Yeah. Cedric Mullins took him deep. Anthony Santander took him deep. Twice. By the way. No, he didn't take him deep. Twice. Oh, someone else. He, he took, okay, he, the got grand slam was off right. the reliever. You're right. Um, by the way, Orioles Twitter. I love the Orioles social media social media team. It's Tony Taters with an S. It's not Tony Tater. There's not just one Tater. It's Tony Taters. He hit two. So it's Tony Taters. No, even if he hits one, it's oh, Tony. Okay, okay. It's Tony yeah. Taters. It's not Tony Tater. That doesn't have a ring to it. It's Tony Taters. By the way, Cedric, that Cedric Mullins home run you're speaking of, uh, I, I think showed a real progression for Cedric Mullins. But also, it wasn't really a great pitch by Freed. It was kind of over the middle, up and, you know, th- th- that's a pitch that lefties can turn on pretty easily. But it's notable, especially because Cedric Mullins hit uh, well under 250, I think well under 230 against lefties last he year. Like he like 209. Was, he was not good at all, right. So it's great to see Cedric. He's already had two home runs off lefties this year. He's hitting off, like 280 against lefties off, this year. Off Chris Sale, uh, the first one, which is really tough as a lefty, considering he gets a lot of crossfire action coming at you because of that Gosh, lower arm slot um so oh, that's two um but chris sale's really tough as to as a lefty to face uh and obviously max freed is a top three starting pitcher in baseball so he's incredibly tough to face so really good to see that from cedric mullins the turn on that fastball 
albeit not the best pitch. Have you ever seen Cedric pimp a home home run like that? No, I haven't. I've never. We've but seen, he, but he hit that a long way, yeah, so well, I can't blame him. It went three ninety. That's it. That's it. Well, I guess the, the, the way he hit it, where it went, it looked like he hit that ball four thirty. That ball, like, according right. to what it dong or whatever on on Twitter, right. the ball went three ninety. That first uh, Santander home run was a wall scraper. That was barely over. But yeah. Cedric's went a long way. I mean, yeah. it seemed like it was much farther than three ninety. And Tony's grand slam went a long way too. Yes. Although I think that was only three three eighty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Cedric's hit home runs that he knew were gone in the past. He pimped the ever living hell out of that home run. Yeah, he did. Uh, so it was awesome. It was awesome. The whole game was awesome. The sec- the two-minute and 14-second segment, when they were trying to see if James McCann was safe at second base, and they rolled him safe. And all the guys and all the guys the had the water. Yeah. Kyle Gibson, uh, namely, with the uh, water in his mouth, waiting and waiting and waiting for two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that whole segment, the commentary on it, the whole thing was awesome. This team is awesome. 22-10. and 10. Second best record in Major League Baseball, eighteen and five in their last twenty three games, sixteen and four in their last twenty. Dean Kramer again, six inning pitch, one earned run, did exactly what they needed, especially after that game on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> needed that from Dean. He stepped up in a big way. Tani, 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 Santander, two home runs, five RBIs. Cedric Mullins home run, single, two RBIs. Ryan Mountcastle, he doubled. It gives him eight consecutive extra yeah. base hits after 13 consecutive singles before this run. Orioles have won 11 straight series openers, Zach. Uh, to start the season, first team since the 1973 San Francisco Giants to accomplish the feat. No team's ever done it 12 times. They've never won 12 straight series openers. They only have to win one of the next two games to win their eighth straight series. And now we look at this team. It's more than a small sample size. 18-5 and five in the last 23, 16-4 in the last 20, 22-10 overall. Is this team for real? I think at this point you have to start thinking that. Uh, there's a lot of baseball left to be played, and we're just out of April. And April is kind of that month where we talked about it a lot, where uh, you, you have to take everything you see with a grain of salt for the most part, especially individual performances. I think the team is more reflective uh, than that of the, uh, the, the specific performances. But I still think that the Orioles have a long way to go. Uh, there will be a lot of changes. There will inevitably be an injury or two that will happen uh, that will shake this team up. And there's a lot left. But, yes, I do believe right now this team is for real. And we have, as I wanted to do for my sounding off segment later, uh, our power rankings. We'll see where the Orioles fall into that. Uh, we're going to each do our top five power rankings. And we're going to update that monthly is what I would like to do um, over the next few months of the season. And Zach then, gave me zero time to do this, by the way. Oh, so I, I haven't even done mine. He, um, t- he texts me this. Oh, tough, as tough, a, tough five is important. I know, but but he, he texts me this as I'm driving to the show. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, uh, all right. I'm, I'm a mor- you know what, Paul? I'm a morning person. I wake up early and I uh, I get ready to go. So I don't know. That's that's I'm really not, I like re- to re- really because remember when I asked you to do that whole that that roster thing? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah the, well, the war thing. You got a, you got a point there. Yeah. You and got you, a point. You were there. like I, I I had a long night and I just got up. And <laughs> that's it, true. That's you know, true. I had I literally did that in about 20 minutes that morning. So yeah, that was not a. I uh, did it in not, 10 that morning. <laughs> that was not one of my uh, my morning person mornings. Anyway. Any who's a what's it? Um, <laughs> so yeah, Orioles. Look, they're they're twenty two and ten now. Twenty two and ten puts a bad taste in my mouth because in um, twenty seventeen the Orioles started twenty two and ten. Yeah, they had the yeah. best record in baseball on May tenth, and they they ended that they they were twenty two and ten, and I think it was at the end of May they were what was it twenty seven and twenty four. That it was, sounds right. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was a bad stretch. It was a bad season. They were they were tied for the wild card at the beginning of September after uh, Manny Machado had a three homer game, including a walk off against the. Uh, it was September fifth, and it was against the uh, New York Yankees. Yeah. I remember that because my then girlfriend took me to the game for my birthday. Adam Jones dropped a pop up in center field, and Manny Machado hit three home runs, including the walk off game winner. Um, so that was awesome. And then they sucked the rest of the way. I think they won. I think they won like five games the rest of the year, and they just they didn't make the playoffs, and they had they didn't post a winning season after that until last season. Yeah. So twenty two and ten makes me nervous. Uh, the Orioles starting pitching over the last week or so, except for Dean last night, and he wasn't great last night, no. but he kept them off the board um, for the most part. The starting pitching has made me nervous because ever since last Saturday, I mean Kramer, he went um, he went what was it four innings, gave up six runs or whatever it was in, in, the, in the first game of the uh, against Detroit in that doubleheader. And then in the second game, the Orioles won the game, and I believe Grayson started that game, and he went five innings, two hits, one walk, no runs, nine strikeouts. So that, that start was good, but then Bradish got demolished. Kyle Gibson got demolished. Tyler Wells gave up three. It was only three. His only three hits allowed, yeah. but he gave up three home runs and four runs in six innings. Um, and then Gibson wasn't good again. I mean, Gibson was good in the fact that he was extremely pitch efficient. Yes, against yeah. Zach Greinke and the Royals. And but in the seventh inning, he's at like sixty pitches, and he's given he gave up five runs. Right, that inning. Right. Um, they they lost that game six to nothing. It's back to back duds for Kyle Gibson after an eleven strikeout performance right. against the Tigers. I feel like the 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 pitching staff, the starting rotation, is good enough to right the ship there. But it still makes me nervous, and now the bullpen is starting to show signs of leakage because of the fact that they're the fourth most used bullpen in baseball. Yeah. Well, I, I think that for Kyle Gibson especially, the regression is going to come. He had a few really good starts to start the year. Then you had that 11-strikeout game against the Tigers, but it's the Tigers. I, mm-hmm. I expect that against the Tigers for a lot of starters. I think there will be some up and downs for him, and that's kind of what you see with a guy like Kyle Gibson. If you look at his career history, he hasn't been incredible over his career. He's not an ace. The Orioles paid him $10 million, which is you know, a middle-of-the-road contract, slightly cheaper than a lot of uh, starters. Amazingly, baseball is a back-end rotation guy. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a back-end rotation guy, so I think they're paying him for what they're getting, at least so far, but you would like to see him pitch better against the Royals, especially considering how well Zach Greinke pitched against the Orioles. So uh, four, 44 pitches in five innings and no runs allowed, and Zach Greinke gets yanked from that game. Yeah, well, he, I mean, I guess considering he's 39 or 40 or whatever he 44 is. 44 pitches. But still, I, I don't know. I get I get it that it's five ups. I guess it doesn't make sense either when you're the Royals and you just desperately need a win. You, mm-hmm. you, you can't buy a win and you're pulling a guy who's doing that. That made no sense to me. That yeah. made no sense. But no. Kyle Gibson should have stayed in that game better than he did against a lineup that's like the Kansas City Royals. They got, like they you got said, some, pitch efficient, but still. They've got some dudes, though. I mean, Pasquantino is legit. He, he can hit. He can really Bobby, hit. Bobby yeah. Witt looked like a superstar in that series. Well, I think Bobby Witt will be, undoubtedly. Um, still only hitting about 235 right now. He'll get there. Salvador Perez is Salvador Perez. Yeah. I mean, he's really good. Yeah. Uh, Fermin looks like he could be something. Yeah, I guess so. He, he's had a hot, hot start. But, but then I look at Dean Kramer, and I go, okay, after that game last night— that's going to lengthen his leash by so much. So well, much. I, I think the or- and the Orioles don't have an immediate replacement. It's not like there's someone down there in AAA right now who they just have. Cole Irvin's been pitching pretty well. He has been. He threw what? I think six He innings? threw seven innings. He took no the loss. He, he, he took the loss last night. Seven, two seven runs, innings. He gave up two runs. He yeah. lost two to one. But as he, he's 
It was his first loss at Norfolk. He's three and one with a yeah. three seven five ERA. See, I, I don't think Cole Irvin though is making Dean Kramer's seat hot. I don't no. think it'd be him. I think it'd be D.L. Hall. If I, it, if yeah, it's D, anybody. I mean, and, and, and let's talk about D.L. Hall then sure. for a little bit because he, in his last start, five innings pitched, three hits allowed, yeah. eight strikeouts, no runs. That's the good. The bad, four walks, ninety five pitches, and I believe it was like fifty two strikes. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. We good over there? Yeah, I'm good. Um, so D.L. Hall, he said he came up and he finished the game out last Saturday, yeah. the first game of the doubleheader. Um, he finished things out the last three, the last four innings, I think he went. And he had said before the game, when he was talking to one of the reporters or one of the um, broadcasters, yeah. that he wasn't worried about results to start the season. It was about getting lengthened and getting deeper in the games and getting the pitch count up. And that now he was going to start looking for results. Shut out ball in his last okay. start. Four walks. Now, look, d- d- we've talked about this before. Dylan Cease finished second in AL, rookie, in AL yeah. Cy Young voting last year. Led the, led the American League in walks and finished second in strikeouts. And he probably will again. Yeah. So, do you take D.L. Hall that can give you five, maybe six innings of anywhere from zero to three run ball, probably strike out, Eight to ten in those five or six innings, but also probably walk three to five in those five to six innings. Well, just to update on Dylan Cease, though. So this ERA is like four fifty eight. His ERA is four fifty eight. He's walking four point eight guys per nine when last year was only three point eight. So I think that one extra guy is really affecting him. You look at a lot of the other numbers. Strikeouts per nine are point one apart. I mean, a lot of these numbers are, are very similar for Dylan Cease, but you see that extra guy being walked as the reason he's not having a lot of success, and I think that's going to be the same as D.L. Hall in a lot of cases. I, I think D.L. Hall should be focusing on results all the time. I don't think length should be something that his coaches are worrying about, the Orioles' front office is worrying about. I don't think he should be worrying about that. I think he should be worrying about getting results because that, at the end of the day, is what's going to get him at the Major League level and have him stay well, at the but, Major League level. But also, we know he's a Major League pitcher. I think so. He he he's he's a major league he has pitcher. The stuff for it. He absolutely does. He has the best stuff in the organization. And so right now, maybe he's not looking for results because he's focused on pitchability. We've seen him. He can throw a hundred miles an hour. Sure. Yeah. But he's been staying around ninety to ninety-six. 90, well, in his last start, he was ninety to ninety-three. Oh wow. Okay. You know. So I did not see that. We've been we've been seeing him take something off the fastball trying to find command. Because yep. if you can locate 93, it has the same effect as 98, I would imagine. I guess so. Yeah, that's fair. So, for him, it might not be about results right now. It's about trying to find that pitchability because they know and he knows his stuff is good enough to play at the big league level at a high level. Uh, he's just got to hone it. So, I'm interested to see his next couple of starts. There's a couple of guys. I mean, Bradish's seat might be getting warm because he was really good at, against Detroit until he wasn't. Those first four innings, he yeah. was he was excellent. And then the fifth inning, I don't know if he was tipping pitches or if he was wearing down or what it was, but he gave up four runs in that fifth inning. He didn't even make it out of the inning. Um, and this was the day after. And they had an off day the next day, but this was the day after a doubleheader where they had to use a lot of pitches. Yeah. I mean, a lot of pitchers. So... So I, I, there's I, Drew Rom had 11 strikeouts in his he last did. start. He's been pitching really well down there. Bruce Zimmerman's been okay down there. I don't think that he's. I think he's a 4A pitcher. I, I'll say this about Drew Rom. I, I think Drew Rom is going to be a starting pitcher for the Orioles sooner than DL Hall will be. I think Drew Rom is the next guy. If the Orioles want to call up a guy to replace someone, the Orioles, I don't. I think it's going to be Drew Rom. I don't. Okay. I don't because they already called DL Hall up. Um, they did, as, but just for a doubleheader. For, for a doubleheader, but. Um, 
they went to Drew Rom, I think, a start early because of that. Um, and then I... D.L. Hall has the experience in the majors and the AAA that Drew Rom doesn't he does. have. That Drew Rom doesn't have. I think D.L. Hall is 100%. It's either D.L. Hall or Cole Irvin, who's the next call-up. And it's it, probably it, going to be Cole Irvin, let's be honest. That's a good point. Cole Irvin could be. It, it's, it's not, I don't think it's a could be. I think, it is. I think he is. I think he's the next guy that they call up. But he's also yet to have... I mean, seven innings of two-run ball in the minor leagues is good. It's good, it's, it's good anywhere. But we've yet to see him dominate down to AAA, and if you expect him to have... I mean, he has a three seven five ERA at AAA. What's that going to be in the big leagues? Right. That, is that's that, my, four, that's is my that point. four and a half? See, I don't know if that's... If you look at purely production, Drew Rahm has been the best guy. Mm-hmm. He's been the best out of the three by by far. Drew Rahm has been really, really good this year. D.L. Hall has been been good in a number of starts and, and here and there, but Cole Irvin I don't think has dominated at all. I don't think there's been one outing where we said, okay, there's the Cole Irvin that was in the major leagues last year. Yeah. And he was I mean, put but, up a 398 ERA. Yeah, he had a 398 ERA last year. It's not like he was pitching to a, you know, a, a, a 3-3 last year. Still, 398 is very respectable. It, no, it, it is. It is. But I, I don't think that you look at him and think, oh, that's a dominant pitcher. That's just a guy who gets outs. I agree with that. You but know? by the way, Daryl Hernandez updated on him, who was traded for Cole Irvin. He's hitting 292 with a 342 on base percentage. He's got two home runs. He's stolen five bases, 759 OPS. So pretty decent start for Daryl Hernandez. Is he in the minors? He is in double A. He's in double A. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, the Orioles, another comeback victory last night. They found themselves down one nothing after the first inning. Of course, they win the ball game nine to four. The offense led the way last night, led by Anthony Santander with his two homers and five RBIs. Cedric Mullins a home run, a single, two RBIs. Um, Ryan McKenna reached base three times, two, in- <laughs> oh, two infield hits and a walk last night. Sure he also did. had, a, I think, he had a stolen base, didn't he? He did have a stolen base. Yeah. yeah. Um, this offense is keeping the Orioles in games, especially when they're when they're pitching isn't doing well. Uh, the Orioles were up 8-1 to one in the third inning against the Royals on Thursday and then found themselves down 9-8 to eight in the seventh inning. Ended up winning that game 13-10. to 10. Thanks in part to Ramon Arias' uh, two hits and four RBIs coming off the bench to pinch hit for Gunnar Henderson in the eighth inning, I believe it was. Um, offense is looking really good. Anthony Santander has four straight multi-hit games. Zach, with his bat coming alive now, how much better is this offense? It's a massive difference. Again, because he's a guy who's hitting three or four every night. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. If Santander was batting eighth or ninth, it wouldn't really matter that much, I don't think. You know, if he's hitting 200, but he gets a home run every here and there, whatever, that's been... That was Jorge Mateo last year, more mm-hmm. or less. But Santander has taken a big step in the past few weeks. He's had more power. He's shown he can get on base more. The numbers have started to return to look more like Anthony Santander. And what I mean by that, I mean 250 hitter, 315 on base percentage, hopefully gets the 30 home runs this year. That would be where I hope he ends up. And I think that's what he's starting to look like. More of that hitter than the guy he was for the first month of the season. So that's good. So, that's a so really good thing. Last year, Ryan Ripken posted this last night, and I didn't realize this. Santander in April this year had a higher batting average, more walks, less strikeouts, more home runs, and more RBIs than he had in April last year. It's not saying much, though. It's not saying much. You, people forget how bad Santander was to start the year last year. He is, was, is, he is was. what I'm saying. And, and, he, think, and, and he ended up bleeding all switch hitters last year in baseball, yeah. in home runs, and the Orioles in home runs and the RBIs. So maybe rumors of his demise were, I can't remember the, the saying, uh, were greatly exaggerated. Okay. Uh, because, yeah. because he got off to a slow start last year, and his start this year 
is better than the start was last year. Well, if you look at his career numbers, his career batting average is 245, and his mm-hmm. career on base is 300. Right now, he's batting 241, his on base is 303. Mm-hmm. It's right in line with his career numbers. And that's, again, kind of where I expect him to be throughout the entire year. Yeah, last year, he hit 241, and the year before that, he hit 240. Th- this is exactly fl- who he is. flipped, yeah. And then the, the on-base percentages were 286 and 318 over the past two years. Yeah. So that's what he's going to be. I think that, and he's... Per- I do look... He's progressing to that. I do like his willingness to take a walk. I, like, I do. I, I, do I like his willingness to take a walk. That's that's something um, that we hadn't seen to start his career for sure. Uh, and then we're burying the lead here, and the lead is that the Orioles have three catchers on their 26-man active roster. Hate I, it. I, 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 we all hate it. Hate I understand it. why they did it, because Adley Rutschman has not had a full day off. His one game off, he still pinch hit. Yeah. And it was a doubleheader, and he played the se- he started the second game, but they're playing him every day. They're DHing James McCann a lot, yeah. and when James McCann is catching, they're DHing Rutschman. Yeah. If one of those guys gets hurt, you need another guy, and they had the, the guys that they would have had on their taxi squad are injured right now. Yeah. I mean, Taron Vavra's been catching a little bit down at AAA. Maverick Hanley's been injured, I yeah. believe. Yeah, he has uh, a hand contusion. Who would be probably the next man up? You would assume. Uh, Ben Boom. Ben, ben Boom, obviously, he was. Yeah. But I, I don't know if they, they'd want to go to a younger guy, someone who they haven't really given a run yet. I mean, Ben I mean, Boom ben, in his... He's, he's hitting like 500 <laughs> in well, AAA. One, one for two? No, he's, <laughs> he's played five or six games. Okay, all right, fair. Um, but, I, I mean, they, they know who Anthony Ben Boom is. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, Luis Torrens, they, they, they pick him up. He doesn't have, like, a negative bat. He can hit a little bit. Yeah, he had 15 good, home runs like three years ago. Yeah, he's, he's a decent defensive catcher, so it, it's... I just can't. I cannot believe they're carrying three catchers. Well, Louis, Louis Turns is probably better than Robinson Chirinos was, but that's oh, not yeah. really that's but, not really but, saying but much. But James McCann is better than both of them. But James McCann has looked like, and I saw you tweet it the other day. He's looked like a legit major league bat. Mm-hmm. I actually, I think he's looked better than that. James McCann has been better than a backup catcher should be. He's hitting two. In my opinion, he's hitting two hundred. I know, but the power's been there. He's yeah. getting the extra base hit, like the one he got last night. That he, he He's hitting the ball hard. I love how much he hustled on that extra base hit last night. I love that. He's been really good defensively. Too. Yeah, and, and he's, he's, he's going to get to that. I yeah. think he's caught three of five base stealers. Yeah. So, or, two, or two of the, five. The arm is really good. The arm's really good. He's been really, he threw a guy out at second base from his knees at the game yeah, I was he, at. He we, did. Uh, for he the did. Red Sox at the game I was at with, the, with uh, Ryan Blake. Yep. Um, we got to get Stan on the on, on the line. I don't like the idea of them carrying three catchers. I don't think it's going to be... Uh, I think it's going to be short-lived, but I, I, I really don't like it. But I understand why they did, because McCann and Rutschman have been in the lineup at the same time a lot this year, and you don't want to risk losing one of your catchers. So, um, while he gets Stan on the line, I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by... Well, it's brought to you by the, to- the Toyota Tacoma. Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Joining us now on the line for his weekly segment is Stan, the fan. Charles, Stan, good morning. How are you? Great, great, great. How you doing? Doing well, doing well, especially with how well the Orioles are playing right now. Stan, they come away with a 9-4 to victory over the Atlanta Braves last night. Dean Kramer steps up in a big way after that debacle on Thursday, going six innings of one-run ball. Been an up-and-down season for Dean Kramer, mostly down, but is there's something, Stan, about facing tougher competition that makes players rise to the occasion? 
not so sure of that, but uh, he pitched a good ball game last night. So uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm. He was so good last year once he got on his roll that I'm, I'm not all that tremendously worried about Dean Kramer. Like, like that he's on thin ice every start. Uh, you know, he's he's not yet a, a finished product. So uh, you're going to have a few bumps and bruises with him. But uh, I think he's a, a solid uh, major league baseball pitcher. Yeah, I, I'll I'll tell you, Stan. It's it, there's a difference between 2023 Dean Kramer and 2021 Dean Kramer, for example, where he just went out there every night in 2021 and and got his brakes beaten off. Whereas this year he shows signs of breaking out and having and being really good at different times. He had the shutout against the Nationals, a one-run performance last night against the Red Sox. He gave up four runs in the first three innings and then shut him down into the sixth inning after that. So the signs are there. His cutter just isn't moving a lot. But I agree with you. I think that he's... Uh, he's on the cusp of figuring it out and giving them quality and giving them length each time out. So I don't disagree with you there. Now, you know, I think, I think frankly, they've got three starters that uh, all fall into that category, and that's Grayson Rodriguez, Dean Kramer, and Kyle Bradish. They're very unfinished products. They are not – we might be talking two years from now about a very special trio there, mm-hmm. but – you know, when you're trying to when you're trying to upend the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and finish in front of the American League East or really be competitive, it's not exactly what you need. And and look, uh, Kyle Gibson has been a, a like a good soldier, and he's he's doing a lot of the things. And I think he's actually a better pitcher than Jordan Lyles, uh, but he's doing a lot of those things. But He's sort of a number one, he's your number one starter designate, designee. He's not a number one starter. No. And the Orioles still are are greatly missing a guy that can go out there and and really serve that role, even if they're really a number two pitcher, you know? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, Kyle Gibson, let's, let's be honest. I mean, he was a great prospect with the Minnesota mm-hmm. Twins 10 years ago. Uh, never pitched to his potential in Minnesota. Had a breakout season with the Texas Rangers. Made the all-star team and then was traded in the second half of the season to the Phillies. And he was never very good in Philadelphia. Uh, and that's who the Orioles sort of said, hey, that's who we're going to spend money on for pitching. And, you know, they're getting sort of what they, you know, what they paid for. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, they, they are. They are. Now, uh, there are times when Tyler Wells looks like he might be the p- best pitcher on the staff. Grayson Rodriguez, that second game of the doubleheader last Saturday, looked the best I think he's ever looked at the big league level. I mean, he allowed three base runners, no runs, and nine strikeouts in five innings. Then had a dud. But he, but he followed it up with a pathetic performance. Yeah, he was a pathetic he was performance. Really, really set the, that really set the pitching staff back. Yeah. That you know that day cost the Orioles a lot. You know, in terms of of uh, you know their their bullpen. Yeah, they had three different guys out of the bullpen throw twenty pitches or more, and Brian Baker threw yeah. eighteen. None of those guys were available last yeah. night. They managed to pull out a win yeah. last night. But Stan, that that brings me to this point. Uh, the starting rotation has was bad all week. They've been mediocre all year, with the exception of that one week when they played the um, the A's, National. the Nationals, and the Tigers. 
Do you right. think that, that if the Orioles are still playing at a very high level, that they'll go out and make a, a necessary move to bring in that top of the rotation guy to give them that playoff push? I, I, I definitely think they will. I think it'll be, it's kind of a catch 22 though. It'll be sort of, it'll be decided by how well they're playing and what their chances are. You know, there's a certain calculus to what you're willing to give up. If you're, you know, if suddenly we go on a streak like the Yankees have been on and fall behind four other teams, I think they're less likely to spring a big trade. Sure. But uh, I'd like to see them be a little bit more proactive and try and make that deal in early to mid-June, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then and then have that and not worry about, well, what are we going to do when John Means comes back? Because you're not going to know – you're not going to know beforehand what you're going to get with John Means. Yeah, you know, I mean, we, really. saw, we saw Chris Sale come back from Tommy John surgery, and I think we can all agree that Chris Sale is probably a better pitcher than, than John Means uh, before the injuries. And Chris yeah. Sale came back. It took him two years to get I, back. I, I, being, I, and, he's, and he's still not back. Yeah, he's still I, not back. I think you yeah. can expect nothing with John Means. Yeah. I, I, there's really no number you can even put on what you expect from him because he's that much well, more I think you I think you can build up your expectations based on what his rehab assignment's like. And, yeah. and you know, the, the pitcher, the, the hitters that he faces will, will tell us a little bit about what we can expect from him. That, that's but it, it's a, but, but, but you're right. You're not, you really can't say, Hey, well, if we get John Means back, we'll have a lefty starter that should have been, you know, on the team, and and he's going to do. He's going to win six games. You don't know. He's a wild card right now, is what he is. He absolutely is. I, I, so I, the que- the question the question really is, and it starts to be, is who who are some of the candidates that you would want to really plug into the Orioles pitching staff, and the the one that stands out to me right now. Although the Tigers have have suddenly started playing better baseball, and who knows in that division now the way that division is, maybe they'll be maybe they'll make a uh, a chase for the division title before it's all said and done. But I would think that they would like to get out of that Eduardo Rodriguez contract. Yeah, yeah, and he's been phenomenal. This year, somebody else yeah. men- mentioned yeah. him being possibly traded to the Orioles uh, as a deadline deal. I don't know, Stan. I don't know how much. I don't know if they want to pay. We if the Tigers don't want to pay him, I don't know if the, the Orioles want to pay him. The biggest problem. The, the biggest problem is well, the Tigers don't want to pay him now because they've been horsed for the last year and a half. Mm. So the, you know, and and also he had his problems last year with whatever off the field thing you know, coincided with his signing a five-year contract, you know. Yeah. Uh, but but the, the bigger problem in acquiring him is what do you give up for a player that you want for the next three years? He's got the right price point for the next three years, but he's got an opt-out after this year. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you work that in the acquisition cost? Uh, because I don't want to give up two or three prospects for two months of Eduardo Rodriguez. So you have to be able to nail him down. And the only way I can think of is if the Orioles would sweeten his overall total compensation in his contract by buying out the opt-out, you know, and that might cost as much as $10 million. 
you know, something yeah. like that. Well, I mean, I mean, Mike Elias is pretty savvy when it comes to this kind of stuff, so I've, I'm sure that he would figure out how to do that because I don't think he wants to give up two or three prospects for two months of Eduardo Rodriguez either. Um, but I don't think he wants to give up two, two, uh, two or three prospects for two months of anybody. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Um, now, here's the thing, Stan. In order to make those moves, they have to get there first. And, boy, they're off to the to the right start, 22-10, and 18-5 and five in their last mm-hmm. 23 games, 16-4 and four their last 20. They beat the Braves last night. They beat Max Fried, who may have been the early Cy Young favorite in the National League, had only given up one run all year. The Orioles tattooed him for seven runs, five earned last night, including a couple of long home runs from Santander and uh, Cedric Mullins. This team... Is playing really good baseball, and the, the 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 story behind it was well, their schedule was soft. Well, now they just beat the Braves, who had the second best record in baseball. It's one game. I un- understand that. What do the Orioles need to do over the this next month, this gauntlet that they started last night, to convince you that they're more than just a team who played well against lesser competition? Well, I haven't I haven't written the Orioles' uh, story. You know that says that we've had the benefit of a, a light schedule. You know, sure. I mean, we've played uh, we've played the Yankees, we played the. Um, hold on, let me just see. We played Boston. Texas is a is a first division team right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like what eighteen and eleven. We played the Yankees. We played Boston, um, and and we played Boston twice. And now we're playing the Braves. So yeah. I mean, the team that really got. <clears throat> the team that really got off the the mark this year by having the easiest schedule was the Tampa Bay Rays, but you can't say that about them because we were saying that about them ten days ago, and all they've done is Win. beat beat the Astros in a series and beat Pittsburgh, swept Pittsburgh, who had been playing at a high level. So I haven't written the story that the Orioles benefited from a soft schedule, uh, but uh, I'd say that they. Got to keep winning. That's what they got to do. You know, they're going to face that they've got the uh, good word for it. The gauntlet this next uh, three weeks. Yeah. You know, they've got Tampa coming up. They've got the Angels who are playing at a very high level. And isn't it interesting how I compare what happened to Joe Madden in uh, L.A. to what Joe Girardi had happened in Philadelphia, which was a guy who was managing on his reputation not doing a very good job in managing. And, of course, they've gotten better. There's no question mm-hmm. about it. They spent some money to get better, the Angels. But we've got Tampa, Pittsburgh, the Angels, Toronto, and the Yankees in Texas. Yeah. That's a pretty tough uh, five teams. Yeah, so you also got to play Cleveland. I'd say we pitch. play – yeah, I'd say we play uh, a good bit better than 500 during that stretch. We'll be for real. You know, yeah. but I I think we're I think we're more than a a passing fancy right now. The Orioles. Now, in order to continue this run, the 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 pitching the bullpen's been one of the best in baseball. They've faltered a little bit, specifically Mike Baum in his last three starts. Um, he allowed he's allowed three home not three starts his last three outings. He's allowed three home runs and seven runs in his last three outings after allowing just one run and no home runs in his previous eleven outings. Stan's ERA's jumped from zero point six one to four point zero eight in those three games. Tate hasn't pitched particularly well in his rehab assignments. Givens could be closer. Has Bauman pitched his way off of this team when Givens is ready to come back? Um. It's a possibility. 
Um, you know, I think I, I would think that Aiken and uh, Bauman are the, the uh, you know, lowest hanging fruit. They both have options, and I think they're both in a little bit of trouble right now in terms of staying on the ball club. At what point is CNL Perez in trouble? Because they keep running him out there. They keep giving him his opportunities. Uh, Stan, he's got a 5.25 ERA, and he's at a, a 2.417 whip in 12 innings pitched. At what point is it, all right, man, we, we can't trust you anymore? Well, uh, you know, fortunately for the Baltimore Orioles, they have a pretty good pitching coach that I would trust what he would say rather than what Stan the fan says. Mm -hmm. You know, you know sure. what I'm saying there. Uh, Chris Holt, you got to believe that Chris Holt helped CNL Perez have the year he had last year. And and when I say Chris Holt, I mean Chris Holt and Darren Holmes. Sure. Okay, they're kind of a tandem, the way Dave Wallace and uh, Dom Chidi were a couple years ago. Um, in the pitching st coaching uh, staff. Um, I would think that Chris Holt would be reluctant to give up on somebody like CNL Perez at this point in time, you know, and just out and out lose him versus Aiken or Bauman going down. And, uh, you know, it's a shame Bauman has looked so good, but, but uh, he really has gotten hurt by that long ball all of a sudden. Yeah, he he's really been struggling his last. And they're not solo. And they're not solo shots. No, they're the, three run shots. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one solo shot and two three run homers his last three outings. Yep. It, it's been yep. he needs to kind of figure it out again because I don't know that either Givens or Tate are coming back in the next couple of days. Uh, maybe given some time next week, but Bauman's got to figure it out. He's got to figure it out fast because he could be susceptible to the option at where, this point. Where are both Where are both of them pitching right now? I, I believe that they. I know Tate was at Double A. Um, and I think Givens is at Double A as well, but I could be. They wrong. were both there okay. last time I checked. Yeah, yeah, they were both. Yeah, that, that's okay. that's what I thought. Um, now both, on the other hand, Stan has gone from being just awful to start the year to now he's allowed one run in his last five outings, covering seven and two thirds innings. That run came in a three inning performance. Uh, he's lowered his ERA from nine to five point one seven. Are we back to trusting um, Austin Voth to get the job done day in and day out for the Orioles? Well, I, I think uh, I, I like, uh, you know, it's interesting. I re-picked him up on my uh, fantasy baseball team about eight days ago. And, you know, it hasn't been, you know, he's not lights out and he's not fantastic. And he accomplishes very little for your fantasy team because he's not a starting pitcher. But I liked what I heard that um, Brandon Hyde sort of blamed his early season problems on adjusting to being a relief pitcher. And that made some sense to me because last year he did, he did pitch some in relief, but he, that second half when he really settled in, they weren't long starts. He didn't go seven and two-thirds innings, but he'd go four and two-thirds as a starter. And his mentality was as a starter last year. And I think that that, probably affected him this year and he's getting used to it and have, and the results have been much better the last four or five outings for both you know? yeah he, he sure has been pitching a lot better to this point than he was to start the year he given up a home run in each of his first five outings and hasn't given up one since knock on wood um so yeah it, seeing him get better uh is certainly something because he was really good for the team last year. He had the elite spin on his curveball and on his fastball he's a legitimate pitcher I think if he can 
hone things in. It seems like he's starting to do that right now. Now, as far as the offense, stand, we talked about how good can this offense be once Gunnar Henderson and Anthony Santander get going. Gunner has shown signs of coming to life, although I think he still swings through too many fastballs. Uh, Santander, four straight multi-hit performances. He hit a uh, he had a two-home run game last night, including his first career grand slam. His bat has gotten hot and gotten back to the level that we're accustomed to seeing it at. How much better is this offense that was still scoring five and a half runs a game before he got hot? Well, it's, there's no question he's the centerpiece of, of the offense. He and Mountcastle are the guys that uh, Brandon Hyden trusts with the 3-4 slots, which are run production, and now he's he's kind of joined the fray, uh, and he's hitting at a very high level right now. So, obviously, the overall offense is going to be, you know, to me, the key player that really has that other gear is Mountcastle, you know, and all of a sudden – this rash of uh, extra base hits he's had, you know, Eight pretty three. spectacular when he's really, uh, when he's on, you know, yeah. as a hitter. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about Paul, what... I got a question for you. Paul, I got yes, a question sir. for you. If yeah. you. If you had to look at Gunnar Henderson's game right now and said, what is the weakest part of his game? What would you say? The weakest part of his game right now? Yeah. <sighs> Something that he's not good at. And I'm not even talking, I'll give you a hint, I'm not even talking about his offense. I, I guess you could say his defense. I, I, but have I, you I think watched him? Have I, you I watched have, his him defense track, has gotten better. Have you watched him track pop-ups? He's absolutely amateurish at tracking pop-ups. Do you think he's amateurish? Or do you think he's amateurish at tracking pop-ups from third base as opposed to shortstop? I think no, that... no, I no? think he's. Uh, I think he's. I think it's a weakness in his game that uh, that uh, again. I still love the player, mm-hmm. but I don't know when he's going to get good at that. Uh, the outfielders need to know that they have to take charge every time he's going for a pop-up because he does not track them, have a real sense of where the ball is going. He gets very lost. I don't know if it's something that he didn't do in the minor leagues and he's getting lost in the big leagues, but I've I've seen it three or four times this year. Yeah, it's been with both Hayes and McKenna as well in left field, and they've come down the line. The ball's kind of been between those two, and Gunner doesn't really know if he should be the one to get it. I That's what I've seen as well. I, I think that's a really good point by Stan. I, yeah. yeah. I, I don't really think he's I, – I don't really think he – I think he's – probably often depended upon the outfielders to make the plays and otherwise you're going to be in trouble with him. I just don't think he tracks pop-ups. Now when they're in front of him, I don't have any problem like there sure. was one I think last night that he caught in fair territory. I have no it's not like I'd say, "Uh-oh, Gunnar Henry." It's when he when he's backing up, he's I think he's when he's running hard I think he's like his pants are on fire, so he's, you know, and he's not really concentrating. So, so Stan, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you from my experience, right? And, and, and I'm yeah. no professional, but from my experience, I've played a lot of outfield and I've played a lot of the left side of the infield, shortstop and third base. When there's a pop up mm-hmm. over your head, if you're not running on the balls of your feet, if you're running on your heels. You're bouncing around constantly. The, the ball's bouncing around. Yep. The There's also something to be yep. said for instead of running to a spot and then trying to find the ball, tracking it the whole time while running while looking at it 
maybe he's doing no that. No question. He, he's running while he's running on his heels and looking at the ball the entire way instead of saying, you know what, this ball looks like it's getting to this spot. Let me get there and then track it. And maybe yeah. that's yeah. just something he needs to learn. But you, it's kind of hard to teach that while you're playing at the big league level every single day. No question. No question about it. No question about it. I'm not saying it's something he should be benched for. I'm just saying I'd be curious if both of you keep an eye on that now and say, yeah. boy, Stan was, uh, was interesting. But I really think it's when you have somebody that has a deficiency, it's up. I w- I'd like to talk to Brandon Hyde about it, like individually one time. You know, I don't want to really even bring it up at a presser. You know, I'd like to just see what he says about it. Um, it's it's, something it's that an I'm... interesting point, and I wonder if there needs to be a discussion with Mullins and Hayes and McKenna, like, hey, you really need to take charge right now until he gets a little more adept at that. So. Yeah, Stan, I, when you brought that up, I thought you were going to mention the arm overall because we've heard about having plus-plus arm strength, but not necessarily plus-plus arm accuracy. Yeah. Have, you, have you noticed the arm accuracy being a little bit worse than you could have expected coming out of Gunnar Henderson? I th- I would say that his accuracy is, a, a, you know, it's a little bit alarming. You know, what, what it really is, it shows how phenomenal the hit tool was last year. Right to have made that meteoric rise to get from a ball to the major leagues, you know? So I don't think anybody was really paying much attention to how he fielded, you know, and there's no question. He's a better shortstop than he is a third base, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So so you think it it somewhat got glossed over because people saw the bat and said, okay, this is the number one prospect in baseball. And the the, the focus wasn't as much on the defense. Yeah. I'll I'll tell you what, though, I've been, I've been paying attention to his game recently, and I think he's improved. It's been better I, I, all, all around. Yeah. His, his, no, his, question, his, no question, he has improved. Yeah. The, has the improved. arm accuracy, it's strong and it's been better, and I think yeah. it was all, with his arm, it, with him being inaccurate throwing the baseball, I think it was all a timing thing more than anything else. It was He, he mm-hmm. gets a ground ball and then pats the glove once or twice yeah. before he throws. It's getting the ball and releasing and, and having that same timing mechanism on every ground ball that's going to get his arm ultimately to be the most accurate. Sometimes, though, I, I think... And, it, the timing, and the timing mechanism at third is different than it is at short. You know, in other words, you've got, a little bit, you've got a little bit longer at third base, yeah. really, to, to, to make the play. Uh, but it's also, you're, you're kind of, a lot of times at short, you're surrounding the ball, and your momentum has got you in a position to throw better. Whereas at third, you don't have time to surround balls. You've yeah. got to just be in front of them, you know, make the play. We talk about pressing at the plate, where you're trying too hard to impress, you know, the coaching staff, the people who uh, surround yeah. you. I think there's part of Gunner that was pressing the field as well, where every throw he was trying to put everything he had behind it, and that led to some of the arm ac- in- inaccuracies. Uh, because the arm strength, again, it's, it's plus-plus. You can throw... It's- yeah, incredibly no hard. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, last year, I remember being at opening day last year, and I watched in infield warm-ups before the first inning, Ramona Rios starting at third base, he bounced two or three throws yeah, over the first did. base, and then he had trouble with it in the game as well. Yep. He ended up winning the gold glove over there, and, and the right. arm got better right. and better to now when he throws it, you know it's getting there and it's hitting the guy in the chest. I have no doubt. I think, I think a month from now we won't. Yeah, I think two, three weeks from now, we won't even be talking about the arm. Yeah. I think that'll settle in. Definitely that, a timing that, issue. That play, the play I'm talking about, the kind of play I'm talking about, as Paul mentioned, is very hard. I don't know how exactly you work on that. 
you know, you get a coach to hit fungos. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he can replicate hitting as high as it gets hit in a game, you know. Yeah, well, the, the way that you would do that, the way I would try and do it if I were coaching anyway, is I would say, hey, look, we're going to hit you pop-ups. Don't worry about catching the ball. Worry about to get it. Worry about getting to the spot where you think that ball is going to go, and then find it. And that's just kind of what you got to do. That's exactly right. Right. Don't that's worry exactly about catching right. it. That's what a good. That's what a great outfielder does. Has the innate ability to go to where the ball is going to be, not where it is at the moment mm-hmm. you start tracking it. You know, that's when, when I played in college. That's what my college coach told me. He said, run to a spot. Yeah. And they always teach you run to a spot. But he would say, don't worry about catching the ball. Worry about getting to the spot and then find the ball. So and I'm yeah. sure, Stan, if we're talking about it, they're talking about it. And they know yeah. we know baseball. They know more than we do. That's why they're, they're where they are. Yeah. So they're probably on yeah. top of it already, I would imagine. So, yeah. Yep. All right, Stan, let's talk a little bit about your power rankings before we let you go today. Now, your power rankings came out five days ago. Your top five was Tampa Bay, Toronto, Atlanta, Milwaukee, and then the Orioles at number five. Through this past week of baseball, has your um, power rankings list changed at all? Not to give your article well, away. It's, it's interesting that you say that because my top, my top five was a little shuffled around last week with the Orioles and Milwaukee being in the top five. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee's lost four in a row. Toronto lost four in a row before winning last night. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, who had moved all the way to number six, they, they've lost four in a row. And uh, so there's going to be some moving around again. You know, in other words, the teams that were like 11 – San Diego's won four in a row this week. Uh, you know, they'll be back in the top ten, and we'll we'll see how it shuffles around. But Pittsburgh and Milwaukee, both on four-game losing streaks within the week, and Toronto had a four-game losing streak. That's a little surprising, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's no question that, that having the Orioles five and Pittsburgh six was probably a little aggressive, for both for both the Orioles and Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh especially, they they really were kind of humbled by the Tampa Bay uh, Rays and then last night by Toronto. And, and Stan, so actually, it, the Brewers and the and the Pirates have both extended those losing streaks to five in a row. Yep. Yeah. Yep, from last week. Yep, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. All right, Stan. Uh, San Diego though. San Diego uh, had a good week. Uh, they played Cincinnati. It swept them rather easily at home. But they won a big game against the Dodgers last night against Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, all right, Sam, what do you got coming up this week? Um, we're 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 changing the format of our Monday Zoom a little bit. Uh, we'll be on at six o'clock, but it's it's no longer going to be a guest every week on that show. We've we're adding Luke is going to join Ross and I, and we're going to talk uh, power rankings because the power rankings come out on Mondays. We're going to talk power rankings and then talk about the Orioles a little bit where they are and almost do a little bit like a pregame show. So, gotcha. uh, you okay. know, because a lot of the games start at 640, so we'll be on from 6 to 620, 6, 625. All that, right. That'll be By fun. the way, I'll add one other, I'll add one other team. The Phillies had moved back from like 21 to 15. They lost four in a row this week. So a lot of good teams really struggling this week. Yeah, it's it's weird for the Phillies because they got Bryce Harper back and they still lost five in a row. Um, Yeah. Definitely something to keep to pay attention to. All right, Stan, great stuff. We will talk to you next Saturday. All right. All right. Always enjoy it. Yep. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye. 
And that was Stan the Fan Charles, who continues to have two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with Aberdeen Ironbirds GM Jack Graham. Then Stan also chatted with Orioles executives Jennifer Grandal and TJ Brightman. You can find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back as he just alluded to with Luke Jackson at 6 o'clock this Monday to kind of do, go over here the power rankings, the Orioles season, and serve as a bit of a pregame show. Uh, all that and more coming up with Stan this week. We're going to catch a break. When we come back, we're going to go. We're going to sound off with Zach Goodman. We're going to talk um, the payoff pitch around the league and more. That's next on the Bat Around. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, AJMichaels.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Welcome Paul back. Has the, Paul has the dirtiest mind in the world. Why would you say that on the show? <laughs> I'm not going to say what you said. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not go into that. Yeah, I don't we, we go won't. That. We won't. No, 
<laughs> the Big Rod. A press box is Glenn <laughs> Clark Radio is a definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Ravens fullback Patrick Ricard and draft pick Andrew Voorhees, baseball legend Andrew Jones and Orioles prospects Jordan Westberg and Cade Povich. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature at pressboxonline.com. By the way, Paul, speaking of uh, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, Five-year extension. We didn't talk about that yet. so No, we'll, pre- do, we'll do it later. Pretty big uh, moment in Baltimore well, sports history, but you're right. We'll do it later. We'll do it later. I was at, literally just thinking as I was as I was reading this that we're going to do it later in the show for Final Thoughts, potentially. Okay, let's do it. Um, so it is now time for Sounding Off with Zachary Allen Goodman, and he has the idea of doing our top five power rankings and doing it once a month. So that's what we're gonna do. We'll do it like every the first show of every month, um, and we'll we'll update throughout the year. I like how I'm the, the host, and Zach's like we're doing this. Well, it's the first not, show it's, it's, it's of every that, of every month. I want to do it for sounding off. That's the idea. Know, so I'm, let's, I'm let, just kidding. Let, I'm let, just let's kidding. Get it done. Paul, who do you have at number five? I don't have anybody yet. You you you, okay, you, I'll start, you off. start. I'll start off. So I have the New York Mets at number five, and the reason for that is the amount of sheer talent that's on the Mets. Obviously, they've struggled a little bit to start off the year. I don't necessarily think that. The Mets are a top five performing team in baseball right now. But when you look at the talent, I think they will end up at the end of the year as one of the top five teams in baseball. I had them as going very deep in the playoffs this year. And with guys coming back and, and guys uh, you know starting to get healthier for them, I think the Mets are going to get a lot better. They're over 500. They're 17 and 16. That's not too far off from a lot of the teams that are going to be my top four here. So I think the New York Mets, even though it's a t- really tough division, are top five for me still. Uh, my number five team is the L.A. Dodgers. Okay. I'm going to have them at number five. Uh, they had a really nice uh, last 10-game stretch. They're 7-3, despite last night's game that lost to the Padres and Clayton Kershaw being less than desirable last night. He's been really good. He's looked like vintage Clayton Kershaw yeah. this year. The bats are coming around. Um, for me, the Dodgers, they're just playing really good baseball right okay. now, and that's a tough division. I have the I have the Dodgers as my number five team. Okay, I have the Toronto Blue Jays as my number four team. Again, the record may not necessarily show. They're not as good as the Pirates. They're not as even as good as uh, the Red Sox, but they are a team that, again, has ridiculous talent, and I expect them to be able to turn it around soon. You've got guys like Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette. This team will get it going. I think they're a much better team than 19-14 and 14 so far. So that's I have the Blue Jays at number four. All right, see, I take the power rankings to be the best team right, right now. Right. Interesting, okay. Right now, not overall, see, I, not, I, not who I think is going to be the best team at the end of the year. The best team right now. See, I try to mix it a little bit with who's going to be the best team and who is right now. And the Blue Jays are still 19-14, to 14, pretty respectable record. They just got swept in a four-game series by the Boston yeah. Red Sox. The, the Red Sox are now 20-14, and 14, yeah. but they did not make my and list. And they don't make my list either. Yeah. Um, I was going to put them in, and I'm like, you know what? They, they were going to be my number four team, and then I decided, okay. no, the San Diego Padres okay. are my number four team. Fernando, Fernando Tatis is back, and he's hitting like Fernando Tatis yeah. Jr. Um, Manny Machado has gotten hot recently, another multi-hit game last night, three in the last four. Uh, Juan Soto has gotten hot. He's been tearing the cover off the ball the last week or so. They beat the Dodgers, who were in first place in their division. They're getting stronger. I, I think they're going to make a nice little run here. San Diego Padres are my number four team right now. Okay. 
Uh, not much to be said for this one because we based an entire show off it, but I have the Orioles at 22-10 and 10 as my number three team. The Orioles have been just about as good as the Orioles can be with the roster that they've constructed. The pitching's been excellent, uh, especially in the bullpen. They have one of the lowest bullpen ERAs ERA, in, <laughs> in the entire major leagues, and the bats have really been hot lately. Anthony Santander, Ryan Malcastle starting to get it going in the middle of the order. The Orioles are my number three team. Their ERAs are really great. ERAs. Their ERAs are really great. My number Sounds three like team. the Californians from SNL. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. I like that. I, I love that skit. It's a great skit. Um, my, number th- my number three team is the Atlanta Braves. Wow, okay. They're my number three team. Um, third, re- third best record in baseball. They have legitimate starting pitching. They have a legitimate offense. Um, look, uh, Acuna, Albies, Riley, um, Olsen, the the rotation yeah. with with Freed and Strider and uh, Elder has a one seven five ERA. Somehow, yeah. it, they um they've been they're a really really good baseball team. Okay. They were they won one hundred and one games last year, following a year where they won the World Series. Braves are my number three team. Okay, at number two, I have the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't think you can have Tampa Bay outside of two or one. You've got to have them somewhere. The only thing is that I have one team ahead of them that I think is just more talented overall as a roster. The Rays have been really good hitting. The Rays have been really good pitching. But I do think the hitting will regress a little bit. I don't think their lineup is as good as some of the... I don't really think their lineup is as good as any of these other top five teams. I think they have the worst lineup out of all five of them. But they've overperformed, and they had a 13-game winning streak to start the year, which is always going to get you in a really good spot. Right now, they are 27-6, and six, yeah. which is a 18 winning percentage. That's going to come down. They've been unreal. I I think that'll come down. I think you'll start to see some regression from the Rays, but they're a top two team, maybe maybe top one, and I think that's where you're going to have them. But I have another team at number one. I know the team that you have number one. It's obvious. Yeah. Um, but the um, they're the my number two team is the Baltimore Orioles. It it, it has to be. They have really? the second. Okay. They, they have the second best record in baseball. Soft schedule or not. Mm-hmm. They've won 18 of 23. Well, the Rays have had a very soft schedule, too. Yeah, they've, but, they've the, but even starting after starting 13... I'll talk about the Rays in a second. Okay. Um, look, the Orioles' offense is scoring more than five and a half runs a game. The bullpen is the best in, in, in baseball. I think the rotation is going to get better. And, 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 and Stan might not think so, but I think that facing tougher competition brings out the best in people. Okay. I mean, we saw it with Kyle Bradish last year and Dean Kramer last year against the Houston Astros um, where they dominated them. I think that the tougher competition, the idea of, yeah, you guys think that we just beat up on bad teams. No, we're really freaking good. It's time that we stop selling the Orioles short. And maybe they go out today and they lose 12 to nothing to Spencer Strider and the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> maybe that happens. But I'm not writing them off anymore. Not that I ever did to begin with. 18 and 5 in 23 games, 16 and 4 in the last 20. That's 800 baseball over three calendar weeks. They're for real. The Orioles yeah. are my number two team in baseball. Okay. So my number one team, as you alluded to, is the Atlanta Braves. Mm. And the reason I think so is I don't think the Atlanta Braves have a weak spot on their team. I really don't. Maybe Vaughn Grissom is, is your weakest spot. He's been a little bit struggling with the bat. But I think Vaughn Grissom is 22 years old, and he's going to come around. I, I believe that. But the starting rotation, as you mentioned, with Elder, with Strider, with Morton, with Freed, they've been incredible. There's been no stopping that starting rotation except last night against the Orioles. That's been the first time where uh, Max Freed has gotten roughed up. But all of these pitchers have been very, very good to start the year. And then the lineup. You have Sean Murphy with a 437 on base percentage. You have 
Ronald Acuna with a 445 on base percentage. You've got home runs all over the board from a ton of guys you wouldn't expect. Eddie Rosario is playing better than you would have expected at his age. There is not a weak spot in that lineup besides Marcelo Zuna still hits for power, not really getting on base as much as he used to. Uh, and not the best guy in the world either. But Austin Riley is having a little bit of a year that you wouldn't expect from him, only hitting 248, but he's still getting on base at a 340 clip. There is not many weak spots in this lineup. There's not many weak spots in that starting rotation. This team is complete, and their record shows that. Atlanta Braves, number one for me. My number one team is the New York Yankees. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Last really, I thought you'd have in, the White in, Sox in, at number one. In the AL East. Um you talk about their offense and the on-base percentages and this, that, and the other. The number one team is the Tampa Bay Rays, and it's not close. It's not okay. close. One, the Braves just lost to the Orioles last night, mm-hmm. nine to four. With but that's their, one w- game. W- but they lost with their one with their best starting pitcher on the mound, who had given up one run all all year. So, so, so and, and and your your power rankings are your power rankings right now, not for what's going to happen down the line. Do I think the Braves are going to have a better record than the Orioles at the end of the year? Probably, but right now, the Orioles are. Better than the Braves because they beat them last night. Well, and they beat them going away last night. Then I think the, it's fair to put the Pirates in your top five too. Though no, they've lost five straight. I know, but the record no, is their still record ex- doesn't mean shit, Zach. They 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 lost five straight. Power rankings are based on how who's the best team right now. And right now, the Orioles have won eighteen of twenty three and sixteen they of have. twenty. Yeah. Right now, the Pittsburgh Pirates have lost five straight. Their record be damned. Right now, the Tampa Bay Rays started 13-0, and they've still won 14 of their last 20 games. Right now, the Atlanta Braves just lost to the Baltimore Orioles to fall behind them in the overall Major League Baseball standings. So for right now, the Orioles are the second-best team. Right okay. now, the Tampa Bay Rays are the best team in baseball, and it's not close. Their leadoff hitter, Yandy Diaz, 324. Yeah. Wander Franco, 304. Randy Arena, 328 with nine home runs. Uh, Josh Lowe. 326. Harold Ramirez, 321. Uh, 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 Yandy Diaz, 324, by the way, with nine home runs. Yeah, Yandy Diaz has been unreal. The, unreal. Like, but that, that's that's my whole point about Tampa Bay. That all is going to come down. I I, I know Yandy Diaz is oh, not okay, going well, to do that. Okay, well, the then, then, then rank them lower. In, I mean, you can do your power rankings however you there want. There are two for me. There are two but for they're, me. They're two for you. Yeah. So, but you base it off of. I base it's, it off it's, of it's, what, what, a combination of what they're doing now versus what they're going to be at the end of the year. And I think they're going to be a 90-some win team, but I think the Atlanta Braves are going to have 100-plus wins at the end of the year. In that division, man, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Washington's really bad. Miami's been worse than I expected them to be. You obviously have two other really good teams, but the Phillies haven't been as good as we expected them to be either. They'll pick it up. The, the Phillies, I mean, they the, only the, won 83 games last year. Yeah, but they were like nine games under 500 at one point yeah, last okay. year. So, um, I, I, so, so look, the way I've always seen power rankings done... and I, Look... This is your segment, so you do your power rankings however you want. But the the way I look at power rankings is it's based on what's happening right now. Okay. Right now. And what, what when Tampa Bay, if you want to move Tampa Bay down your list... There's no problem with having different views on this. No, 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 no nobody's, saying, nobody's saying that there is. Like, like I said, this is your segment. You do your power rankings however you want. I'll do my power rankings however I want. And I think that when Tampa Bay's offense inevitably comes back down to earth, because it will, even though... They've been one of the better offenses of baseball now for three they have. years. They have. For three years. And, and it's weird because they, they find production in a lot of guys. Like, Yanni Diaz is not one of those guys you would expect. He's He kind of has been for a good bit now. He, he's a better contact hitter than he is power hitter, and he has nine home runs already, which is kind of unreal to me. I, I want to see what his 2022 total was for home runs. I can't imagine it was that many. He's been unreal to me. He hit like, nine home runs all year last yeah, ex- year. Yeah, exactly. He's not, a, he's not a power hitter. No, but he, he's already he, hit nine home runs this year. But he hit, I mean, his last... 
I mean, let's just go 263, 352, average on base percentage. 312, mm-hmm. 375, 267, 340, 307, 428, 256, yeah. 353, 296, 401, and this year, 324, 426. Three or 375 on base guy. He's the, always the, been a good on base guy. He's a good hitter. He is. He's a good hitter, and now that power is starting to come. How old is he now? He is 20, or he's, no, 30, he's 31. He's 31 years yeah. old. Some guys peak later than others. Some guys hit mm-hmm. hit hit their their peak later. They they it used to be you kind of hit your peak age 27 to yeah. 33. Yeah. And if that's the case for him. That's what's happening right now. Not to mention he's got a lot of protection. He's got Wander Franco behind yeah. him. He's got Josh Lowe, he's got um Brandon Lau. Um he's got Randy Arosarena. The 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 team can hit and they can pitch. Tampa Bay for me is the best team in baseball, and it's not close right now. Now, look, they have a three-game series coming up. The Yankees right now are so beat up. Uh, 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 Giancarlo Stanton's out with a hamstring injury. For a, Aaron, for a while, yeah. yeah. Aaron Judge is out. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Rodon might not pitch this year. I, you know what? I don't think Carlos Rodon will. Yeah, and it, They are so beat up that how could you not see this coming with the Yankees? And, and last year— yeah. If Aaron Judge got hurt at any point last year, the Yankees don't make the playoffs. I think the Yankees are going to keep struggling. I, I don't see this really turning around for them. Because they're this, old, man. This division is just too tough. It, they, it's just too tough. They're old, and they they didn't have a contingency plan, right, for these guys who always get hurt, inevitably Look, I, getting hurt. I mean, at the end of the day, having Boston at twenty and fourteen is going to be even harder for the Yankees, knowing mm-hmm. that Boston is as good as that, because I don't think anyone could have seen Boston at 20-14 going this this far into the season. The, but, uh, see, I don't think that's going to last. I, I don't necessarily think so either, or they would have been in my power rankings, because they have been, as the record shows, seven straight wins. Very good. They've, they've been won, very good. Yeah, they, they've won seven in a row. It's, it's really hard to discount Boston right now, but they are in a really tough division, and that's why they didn't make my... They'd be my top ten. Absolutely, mm-hmm. because they've shown that. But then again, the starting rotation, I still have a lot of questions there. I think uh, the I, bats are good. The bats are real good. I almost put Boston in my top five. And then I was like, no, I, I, I think the Dodgers are they're leading a division. They're leading the division. Um, the Padres are getting healthier and getting stronger. And then you can't not have the Rays, Orioles, and, Bra- Orioles yeah. and Braves in your top three. Jaron Durant's hitting 417 for Boston right now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Only the, only uh, 60 at bats, but still, 417 and 60 at bats is yeah. pretty remarkable. It's, it's good. It, it's uh, they, they, Rafael been, they, Devers has uh, 11 home runs already. I yeah, mean, and he, he's got like 35 RBIs or 38 or something like that. Where do the Angels sit for you? Dude, it's just. I can never put them up there because their talent. Is so much better than their record, always. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, how you, you have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, the two best players in the world, and you're still only eighteen and fourteen. Yeah. And, and last year, at, at this point in the year, they had the they had one of the best records in baseball, and then they fell flat on their yeah. face. They picked up Tyler Anderson. He his ERA is above five and a half. Uh, they got to show me more. They they they've yeah. got to show me more. Now I think they're a good team. Rendon is healthy right now, and he's hitting at a decent clip. Um. They just, I I have to see it prolonged. Yeah. And right now they're doing what they did last year. Right. So I will say I I do think they're built as a better team roster wise, just purely on paper than they were last year. But that's not saying a ton because the pitching last year was abysmal. It was abysmal. Yeah. So I, I think they're slightly better this year, but I I don't necessarily see the Angels being better than the Rangers, well, and they certainly won't end up. At, the Astros will, will will figure this out. I I'm very confident. Oh, well, the Astros they'll get Altuve back at some point. Right. 
Alex Bregman's not going to hit 208 all well, year. And the fact that they still have a winning record with as much as they've struggled. I saw a piece the other day. I'm not going to say who the writer was because I don't remember, and I also wouldn't say who it was because I disagree with it. Uh, but he said the Astros didn't invest in starting pitching, and that's been a big blow to them this year. But I, if you looked at that starting rotation to begin the year, they were excellent. I mean, you don't have Justin Verlander anymore, but that's because Justin Verlander is, you know, 40 years old and signed a two-year contract for, what, $40 million a year elsewhere. So I don't necessarily agree with that assessment. I think the Astros built their team to be probably the most talented team in baseball, and it just hasn't been the most lucky season for them this year. That's all it's been. Yeah. And, I mean, Luis Garcia is out for the rest of this year and the yeah. bulk of next year. Right, but who could have predicted that? With, with Tommy, you, I mean, you couldn't predict that, but, right. I mean, unless you just think everybody ends up inevitably having Tommy John surgery. I'm just saying, if you look at the starting rotation beginning of the year, you can't say they didn't invest in starting pitching. It's it's It was really good. It was really good. It just hasn't necessarily gone their way. Yeah, no, I I, I get it. I, I, look, I think the Angels are a good team, and I think that any time that you have to face Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Anthony Rendon, it's a scary proposition. Yeah. And when Shohei Otani's on the mound, good luck. Um, but until they actually prove that they're as good as they should be, I'm not going to buy into them. Yeah. Th- 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 they've been a fool me once, shame on you, uh, fool me twice, shame on me type of team. Yep. Hundred percent, and, and, and I think Texas will be that team too. I, I don't think Texas is that good. Well, I mean, Degrom he can't stay healthy. No. Uh Corey, Corey Seager's out with another injury. He, I mean, yeah. and that's the thing when people were, were comparing Gunnar Henderson to Corey Seager, it's like the type of player. But if they, if they're gonna have the same injury history, no, thank you. Right. No, thank you. So, well, Corey Seager got a lot of money for a guy who doesn't play that often. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of money in a long time. And that's a, I, I, I've talked about these max contracts. I've, I've said it too much on the show, but I don't necessarily agree with them because of how much guys get injured in baseball. It's a long season, and a lot of guys miss huge chunks of them. And Aaron Judge is another one of those Aaron guys. Aaron Judge got a ton of money. Yeah, and he's already be, hurt. To be a, a ton of money for a guy who he's played two full seasons in his career. Now, granted, that was his rookie year when he hit 52 home runs, and yeah. that was last year when he hit 62 home runs. So here's the thing with Judge, though, as well. And Stanton's another one of those guys who I'm about to, to talk about. The guys that get injured as much as Corey Seager and John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge do, the minor injuries like those guys have last a lot longer than minor injuries for guys who don't get injured have. Austin Hayes is another one of those guys where it's a mm-hmm. minor injury turns into something that's a really long, drawn-out process. For Aaron Judge, he might not be back for a month or something like that because that's how usually it goes for Aaron Judge. And, that's how it's gone and historically. Look, we talk about how horses, they're so big that when they when they break Kentucky their leg... Kentucky Derby today, apparently. Yeah. Paul told me. Yeah, when, uh, when they break their leg, you have to put them down, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about Great Danes, how they're b- beautiful wonderful dogs but when they stand on their hind legs they're over seven feet tall yeah and they live to be about seven or eight years old because they're just too damn big yeah. i'm not saying that aaron judge and john carlo stand they're gonna die in their 50s but what i am saying is that their bodies are more prone to break down yeah. because they're giants they are both six foot seven feet tall right and they both weigh 270 of solid muscle and again it's historically been true that it's taken these guys a really long time to rehab and get Their back. bodies are so big that their injuries last, their bodies break down. You're not meant to be that big. You're not, you, the average height for a man is like five, nine and a half or five foot ten. These guys at six foot seven, you're huge. Your body's going to break down. You're not meant to be that big. You, you just aren't. So when they get hurt, it's not a surprise. It, it, and it, it's not. It's also not a surprise when you look at the NBA and you look at how I, I keep hearing this commercial about from this guy. He's like, 
at six foot six, I'm small for a forward. Yeah. And I'm like, you're a giant. Some guy who played in the NBA back then. I don't, I don't remember who it was, but you you are a giant at six foot six, a giant. Yeah. Like there's no getting around it, and you and you're small for your league. That's why these guys need days off for maintenance. Because your body's not meant to be that big yeah. and have the stress put on it that you put on I think on you it. see in the NBA, Anthony Davis, suffer, being as huge as he is, has had so many injuries over the years. So many. And it always takes him a, a very Odom, long time to get back. Greg Odom, Dwight Howard. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Shaq was... I mean, Shaq was never a sprinter. He was just... He just stood there and stood outside the paint long enough to not get a three-second. And then he would just get the ball yeah. and just, just literally just plop and, it and over to get, And to get back to the original point, it's just hard to give out contracts like that to guys who are similar to Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. It's just, unfortunately, the way it is. Aaron Judge is going to be... I mean, be, they do, though. And they do. Because I, I feel like teams, for the most part, are forced to. If the Yankees didn't have Aaron Judge right now, and which they don't currently, but if they didn't have him on this team, the Yankees would be the worst team in the, America, in the American League East. They'd be the worst team, talent-wise, I think. Yeah. Yeah. If they, uh, did, I, if they didn't have Aaron... Aaron Judge is a... Number it is by far the best player in that lineup. It's not close. It's there's not no, close. there's everybody, no one even remotely close. Everybody else is 117 years old. Everybody except else except Anthony Volpe. But yeah, yeah, and he's not that good right now. A- Anthony he will be. Anthony Rizzo is a fine major league baseball player. He's fine. It's a lot of home runs. Not going to get on bases a-, a ton. But there aren't a lot of guys who can even remotely come close to Aaron Judge. The Orioles have guys like Adley Rutschman. They have guys, hopefully, in the... Now, let's be clear here that the Orioles don't have anybody that comes close to Aaron Judge. No, either. they don't. But, but they have a lot more versatility in their lineup than correct. the Yankees do. And I, think there's, I still think there's more talent in the Orioles lineup than the Yankees. Oh, I do. I do, too. The, yeah. I, I mean, Aaron Hicks is still terrible all the time. He's terrible. He's awful. They gave him a lot of money 70, to be awful. 70 million over seven years. To be 70 awful. 70 million. To be awful. Yeah. Zach, really good segment. So good. It makes me want to sing. Oh, say have you seen all of Maryland's minor league baseball parks? PressBox is giving you the chance to check out all of them this summer. Head over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams. One Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older to enter, and the sweepstakes end June 14th. So get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now to sign up. So, and, b- by the way, I looked up Aaron Hicks, his numbers. He's batting 146, his on-base percentage is 212, and his OPS is 357. Well, Harrison Bader's back now, so he's probably not Yeah, he, he's not playing. I mean, yeah. he's only played in 20 games so far, so he's just not playing. What are Harrison Bader's numbers? Uh, I can't imagine they're too good. Harrison Bader is always a guy that I I viewed. think he had like a three-run homer last night, though. Did he? Okay. Well, I, I've always viewed Harrison Bader personally as a defense-first guy. Yeah, me too, but he came to the Yankees last year and was like... a. Just a friggin'. That's true. Harrison Bader so far has only played in two games, um, and he hit, he's batting 143. But that, this was not updated because this is baseball reference. So I'll get his updated numbers because baseball reference updates at 12 p.m. every day. At, oh, I didn't realize that. I thought it was just, I don't know when I thought they did it. But uh, let's see. Harrison Bader is hitting 182. Okay. Yeah, over three games, though. I think, oh, I th- oh, it's I th- only three games. I think so it's he's like got... 12 at-bats, probably. Okay. Yeah. So then he's got like. Three, three, two hits. Another guy who constantly is injured. Constantly is injured. Harrison Bader is always on the injured list. Was a phenom his rookie year, and then he's never matched that talent since then. But now, it's time for the payoff pitch around (laughs) the league. Anthony Santander hit two homers, including his first career Grand Slam. Dean Kramer outdueled Max Fried in six innings of one-run ball in the Orioles' 9-4 victory over the Braves. The Orioles improved to just 2-9 all-time when Tony Taters has a multi-homer game. 
Ian Happ homer driving in two, and Justin Steele improved to 5-0 and while lowering his ERA to 145 with seven innings of one-run balls. The Cubs took down the Marlins 4-1. to Chris Bassett threw seven shutout innings, and George Springer homer to help the Blue Jays send the Pirates to their fifth straight loss, 4 to nothing. Luis Robert hit a two-run homer, and Elvis Andrews hit a three-run shot to provide all the scoring for the White Sox in their 5-4 to victory over the Reds. Yandy Diaz and Randy Arosarena each hit their ninth home runs, and Wander Franco doubled twice in the Rays' 5-4 to victory over the last-place Yankees. A lot of 5-4 to games last night, by the way. Chris Sale struck out 10 Phillies in six innings to lead the Red Hot Red Sox to their seventh straight win, 5-3. to Bailey Ober spun seven shutout innings while Max Kepler provided all the scoring with a sixth inning two-run homer to lead the Twins over the Guardians 2-0 and Zach cried himself to sleep. A solar homer from Brandon Nimmo was all Kodai Senga needed to tap the Rockies as he picked up the 1-0 victory with, for the Mets with six shutout innings. More fireworks in Kansas City as the 14-win combined A's and Royals combined for 20 runs, 27 hits, and 13 walks with the A's coming out on top 12-8. Brent Rooker... Rooker. Brett Rooker doubled and hit his 10th homer in the victory before being ejected in the ninth for arguing balls and strikes. Paul Goldschmidt, who had three hits, doubled the lead off the bottom of the ninth with his team trailing by one and stayed there as Wilson Contreras, Nolan Arenado, and Dylan Carlson struck out in succession to fail the, to fall to the Tigers 5-4 to four and drop to an NL worst 10-23. and 23. Javi Baez had three hits, including his third home run in the victory. Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon had two hits apiece, and Chad Wallach contributed a two-run double, but the game-winning run scored on a wild pitch in the bottom of the 10th to push the Angels past the Rangers, you guessed it, 5-4. to four. Cody Carroll homered a Merrill Kelly dominant dominated with 10 Ks and 7 innings of one-run ball to lead the Diamondbacks over the Nationals 3-1. to Fernando Tatis Jr. took Clayton Kershaw deep twice, improving uh, to 7-for-20 with four home runs against the future Hall of Famer. And Manny Machado picked up his seventh multi-hit game of the year as the Padres downed the Dodgers 5-2. to Houston, the... Oh, I'm sorry. Jordan Alvarez had a three-run homer, and Kyle Tucker added a two-run shot to lead the Astros over the Mariners 6-4. to And in Astros news, they lost starter Luis Garcia to Tommy John surgery this week. And finally, J.D. Davis homered, and Jock Peterson drove in two to push the San Francisco Giants past the reeling Milwaukee Brewers 6-4. to Yeah, Milwaukee, another one of those teams that could have made the top five, but they didn't because I don't see they them. lost en- five in a row. I don't see them ending up that great at the end of the year. They're just give, us, a- give us Corbin Burns. Just give them to us. They're in a somewhat easy division, too. There's we'll just give not you a lot of- Adam Frazier and a bag of baseballs. <sighs> Adam Frazier. Anyway, today on the first game He's hitting 375 over his last seven games. He's been, he's, oh, I'm not. I like Adam Frazier. I'm not, uh, not going against him, but he's not Corbin Burns-level talent. Anyway, Spencer Turnbull take on Adam Wainwright, the veteran. That's his first start of the year for Wainwright. Tigers and Cardinals, 215 at Bush Stadium. Marlins and Cubs, Brian Hoeing versus Drew Smiley, the veteran lefty, 220 at Wrigley Field. Rockies take on the Mets, Austin Gomber versus Taylor, Tyler McGill, excuse me, 410 at City Field in Queens. The Yankees and the Rays will go at Tropicana Field 4-10. Domingo Herman against Drew Rasmussen. Twins and guard Sonny Gray versus Logan Allen, who makes his third Major League start 6-10 at Progressive Field. Blue Jays take on the Pirates. Jose Barrios against Johan Oviedo, 6-35 at PNC Park. Mike Clevenger takes on the lefty Nick Lodolo, 6-40 as the White Sox take on the Reds in Cincinnati. The Athletics, they're 7-26, will take on the Royals, 8-25. Not an exciting matchup there, but that'll happen at 7-10 at Coffin Stadium. Ken Waldachek and Brady Singer on the mound today. Corey Kluber takes on Bailey Falter, Red Sox and Phillies, 7-15 in Philadelphia. Your Baltimore Orioles will take on Spencer Strider and the Atlanta Braves, 7-15 at Truist Park. Kyle Bradish 
makes another start for the Orioles and looks to get it under wraps. Brewers and Giants, Colin Ray against Alex Cobb, another former Orioles, 7-15 at Oracle Park. Nationals and D-backs, Mackenzie Gore takes on Tommy Henry, 8-10 at Chase Field. Final three games of the night, Dodgers and Padres, 8-40 at Petco Park. Dustin May and Blake Snell, really good pitching matchup there. Rangers and Angels, 907 in Angels Stadium. Nathan Avaldi and Reed Detmers. And then the final game of the night, J.P. France takes on Marco Gonzalez for the Astros and the Mariners, 940 in Seattle. By the way, no to be determined today. That might be the first of the year. Well, there you go. And well, Everyone's been named. And, well, there you have it. All right. The payoff pitch around the league was brought to you today by PressBoxOnline.com slash Offers, if I can find this read anywhere in my life, there it is. Baseball season is here, and for the first time in history, you can bet from your phone in Maryland. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers for the best sportsbook offers and incentives so you can start winning today. Get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet with DraftKings. Just go to pressboxonline.com slash offers to claim your incentive. And now we move on to Orioles banter. I'm having a weird day. Yeah. I'm having that a weird day. Uh, that was drawn out right there. Yeah, it was. So, Orioles banter today. The Orioles have some minor leaguers that are tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, Jordan Westberg went two for five last night to leave his slash nine at 340, 400, 590, 990, with seven home runs and 28 RBIs. He's, uh, essentially, he's on pace for a 30 homer, 115 RBI season. Not bad. Colton Cowles went over three, but walked twice, lowering his slash line to 314, 455, 533, 988. And Joey Ortiz went one for five, lowering his line to 366, 389, 573, 962. These guys probably don't belong at AAA. Um, Then you look at the Orioles roster. Austin Hayes has missed three straight games. Mm Mm-hmm. Adam Frazier's hitting 239. But, with but, a 340 but, on base. By the way, though, Austin Hayes came in to, to pinch run last night. Yeah, so. but I think it's a hand injury. I think it is, too. I think it's a hand injury. So he can't which, hit. Exactly, he can't hit. Arias and Mateo are performing, and Gunner's Gunner. Santander and Mullins are hot. How much? So how much longer can you leave Kowser, Westberg, and Ortiz in AAA I think one of them's getting traded, and I think it's probably Joey Ortiz. I would think it'd be—it could be Westberg, actually. He's so versatile, man. He can play He can play so many different positions. I, You know what? I, I don't think it's Colton Kowser. I, I well, do I, not I, think I, they're no, trading I think, Colton No, I think Colton Kowser is going to be their starting right starting right fielder in, like, two weeks. <sighs> okay. And you're going to DH Santander a lot. Yeah. Well, James McCann's been DHing a lot. And again, we talked about the bat being a, a major league bat, especially for a backup catcher, but he's not he's not an everyday guy. And that's no. that's he was back in 2019, 2019 with the Chicago White Sox, but that's not who he is anymore. And that's not who he's ever going to be again. So, yes, they need another bat. Colton Kowser to me is the best player out of these three by far. I think he's the I think Colton Kowser could be one of the better players in Major League Baseball in a few years. I I really believe in Colton Kowser. I've I've I wasn't ever happy with the draft pick. I didn't. You're the one who said they were going to take him. Yeah, well, well before, well I, I, before, I did. Well I before did. they took him. I, I said two weeks before that I think they were going to take him because I thought it really fit Michael Elias's portfolio and what he's done in the past, and they ended up taking him, and he's just performed. He's performed everywhere, except for AAA last year, He, but it was only like 13 games. It wasn't much. 
I think Colton Cowser is going to be a five-tool star. Jordan Westberg and, and Joey Ortiz I have more reservations about, but I think all three are major league quality players who can literally start for the Orioles right now, and Joey Ortiz was against left-handed pitching. And honestly, even though I'm not the biggest Joey Ortiz fan in the world, I would have liked to see him over Ryan O'Hearn or Luis Torrance, yeah. personally. Yeah. And, well, and O'Hearn's been sent back down to make room for Luis Torrance. Right. Um, By the way, though, I think that either Jordan Westberg and Colton Cowser are only going to be brought up to play every day. I don't think the same is true for Drew Ortiz. I mean, when we talked to Bob Phelan on the show from the On the Verge podcast last week, he said that he thinks Ortiz has passed Westberg as a prospect. Uh, the bat speed is phenomenal, right? The bat speed's phenomenal. Westberg, he's, this is the second straight year he's doing this. And he's got, I think he said, over 700 at-bats now at AAA. Yeah. The time's now. For, for Westbrook I, and for Kowser. So how do you make room for them, though? Well, I, I think you can throw Austin Hazel in the 10-day injured list. Yeah. I think you can. I If he's not going to hit, and that's a dead weight in your on your bench. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not really fast enough to be a pinch runner every day. And that's not really what you will have a guy at a bench to do unless you're the 1974 and 75 Oakland days and you employ Olympic sprinter. I don't remember what that guy's name was, but he stole like 33 bases and never got one at bat. Yeah. Um, but... That's not today's baseball. I don't think that's a smart decision for any team. So Colton Kowser would come up and play every day, and I think that's the right move they should make. Yeah, you can legit, you can legitimately play Kowser, and even if you want to do it that way. And then when Hayes is healthy, you can do Hayes in left, Mullins in center, Kowser in right, DH Santander, make James McCann the true backup catcher instead of a guy who's going right, to DH right. and, and be the backup and I don't catcher. know what the hell you do with Luis Torrens, but that's not... Well, he's not going to... Uh, he's not staying on this roster no. very long. Uh, I, they did that for, like, this weekend, yeah. basically. I, I I, don't... That's That move is such a head-scratcher to me. It's, it's such a head-scratcher. I mean, I, I guess I get it because you need depth with Maverick Hanley being injured. I get that. And a hand injury, as I believe what he has, and that's not something you want to play around with too much. That could last a lot longer than they expect, but still. I, it's it's a head scratcher for sure. Yeah. Uh, so for me, Kowser, uh, and then when Kowser get when Kowser's called up, that's when that's when um, Kerstad's going to going to Triple A. He's been tearing the cover off the ball, Double A, also uh, this year. So I don't know, man. I I think that they're all big league players. I think that they're all starting big league players. Yeah. I also think that one or if not two of them are getting traded at the deadline this year. And I think the most likely to be traded is Joey Ortiz. Because I think some team is going to look at what he's done since July of last year with the bet. They're going to look at how good his glove is, and they're going to say, we can use that guy. But even Westberg, though, I I see Westberg as a guy that can bring a lot of value. A lot of value. They all bring a lot of value. And you have to to give something up to get something back. Sure. And if you want to get... um, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez from the Tigers, or Cur- or Corbin Burns from the Brewers. Well, Corbin Burns would take Colton Cowser. I'm pretty confident in that. You'd have to trade Colton Cowser if you want Corbin Burns. I don't know. Really? I don't know because uh, I I think so. I, they only have one more year with him, and they know that that's, he, that's they, true. And they know he's leaving. That that relationship is severed. But you look at guys that get traded of that quality, and usually it's for top 100 prospects and guys that are better than Joey Ortiz and Jordan Westberg. Are. I think they'd take Joey Ortiz. I think they would take Joey... For Corbin Burns? I wholeheartedly disagree. Willie Adamas is the heart and soul of their team. And you're not going to tell me... Let's not go on that discussion again. You're not going to tell me that Joey Ortiz isn't better than Willie Adamas. 
I don't think he is. I think he's a better defender. You think Joey Ortiz can hit 35 home runs a year like Willie Adams I think does? I think Jordan. I, I think Joey Ortiz can hit for higher average and get on base at a higher clip and play better defense. Maybe. And I would I would much rather take a guy that's going to hit 275 with a 360 on base percentage and hit 15 home runs than the guy that's going to hit 224 with 30 home runs and play worse defense. I would. I, would, I don't know. I would man. much. I, I would much rather have that guy. I think. That, 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 I, I think you're overrating Ortiz a little bit. But I don't. That, I. I, okay. I. I. I think that Joey. I mean, the bat speed is phenomenal. It is. And all he's done in his entire life, except for when he was hurt, is hit. That's all he's done his entire life mm-hmm. is tear the cover off the baseball. And for some reason, we think, oh, because he played at New Mexico State in the high altitude, he can't actually hit. The dude has proven time and time again he can hit. He's in 366. Of the three guys we mentioned, he's got the highest batting average of all of them. And he's got the second highest OPS and the best glove. The the guy can hit. The guy can hit and the guy can play elite defense. I think that... I don't think it's going to take Colton Cowser to get Corbin Burns. I think that you could give them, uh, that you could trade them Joey Ortiz, and they would take that. And it's probably going to take something else, too. Um, yeah. But I, I 100% think that could get it done. Okay. Well, I mean, that that's your opinion. I'm going to disagree with it, but <laughs> that's your opinion. And that's, you know. It's not, nobody in their right mind is giving the Brewers a prospect like Colton Cowser. For Corbin Burns, when a Corbin Burns hasn't been the Corbin Burns that he used to be this year. Well, I'll throw you, and, I'll, and B, I'll you an example. He's going to be a free agent after next. What year. about Aroldis Chapman getting traded for Glaber Torres, who at the time was the number one prospect in baseball? And Aroldis Chapman had what three months left on his contract? I think when, at the time he was traded. That's different. How? Because they won a World Series. Okay, but they won a Zach. They won a World Series, but they didn't, it was their first World Series in 108 up. years. But think. They didn't know they were going to win the World Series. They got there was him no guarantee because of that. they were the best team in baseball, okay. and they knew that he put them over the top to win a World Series. Okay. And they went and they won a World Series. But you just ranked the Orioles as a top three team in baseball. They're not winning the World Series this year. Okay, I mean, and they don't have a hundred and eight year World Series drought. If you if you here's and Aroldis Chapman was throwing hundred and five miles an hour and was the best closer in baseball. I, I if you ask the Cubs. Was it worth trading Glaber Torres, who's a middling player right now, for Aroldis Chapman? They would say 100,000%. That's not even a number. I made it up. <laughs> yes, it was worth it. It you the, the, It's apples and oranges. But it's my, apples and oranges. My point is that guys who have that little left on the contract, if they're as good as Corbin Burns is, Corbin Burns is a top 10 pitcher in baseball. Even the, with, with the way he's pitching right now, he's still a top 10 pitcher the in baseball. The way he ended last year, the way he's pitching this year, the stuff and, is and, unreal. He throws and, a ninety-three on our slider. I mean, okay. I, I don't know. I I look at Corbin I've, Burns as incredibly he, good. So do I. That's why I want him. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at the mitigating factors, and that's the fact that he wasn't great down the stretch last year. He hasn't been great this year, and that relationship is severed to the point where he's not going to sign with them in free agency. When he becomes a free agent after twenty twenty-four, he's leaving. If somebody offers you a top 100 prospect and then like a, a, a mid-level pitcher that's pitching at high A right now, you're going to take that for Corbin Burns. I don't think it's yeah. going to take Colton Kowser and Cade Povich to get Corbin Burns. I just don't because no, no team's going to give that them much. that. Uh, yeah, I, I think Westberg is a relatively fair argument. I just don't think Ortiz is. But that's, I, I, that's, I think Westberg's too, we disagree. I, I think Westberg's too versatile for the Orioles to want to trade him. I think that, that, that he, he might be. He might be. But then again, Joey Ortiz is pretty versatile too. But Joey Joey Ortiz is a shortstop 
who can also play second, can also play third. I think the arm plays better at second, but that's just my opinion. But Jordan Westberg is a shortstop who's... No, I'm sorry. He's a second baseman at his best mm-hmm. who plays shortstop, yeah. who plays third base, who plays left field, center. who plays right field, and he can probably play first base. He can play center field, too. And yeah. He has done that. Yeah. There's no doubt you're right. You're you're 100% right. Thank you. I wish my wife would say There's I, no doubt you're right. There's no doubt you're right on Jordan Westbrook. He's a really versatile guy. I just I, I don't necessarily think Joey Ortiz gets it done. But we just disagree. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. It, it, it It's more than okay. It's perfectly fine. And look again to to not harp on this, but Colton Cowser is going to be a really good player. He's I, I'm I'm very, I think so. I'm very confident. I, I, in that. I think so too. He, he I, takes professional at bats, and what we need in Baltimore, yeah. what we've seen has made them really good this year, is guys that take professional at bats. I, I we got to get Rich Dubrow on the let's line. Do it. Um, Zach's gonna give. Eh, we got to take a break. We got to take a break. We definitely have to take a break. Um, just want to remind you, hey, Birdland, did you know where the hell? Where did all these reads go, man? I'm, I'm throwing a, I'm, them all over the place I'm, over there. I'm a mess over here. I guess they're not a sponsor for us anyway anymore. Um, did I already do this? Did I already do the latest edition of Pressbox? Uh, you did not. Okay. Did you know that the latest edition of Pressbox is available now? On the cover, Luke Jackson uh, looks at the pi- the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstak, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, tar- Todd Karpovich <laughs> profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what pro- what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second Pro season for the Ravens. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. When we come back from BaltimoreBaseball.com, Rich Dubroff joins the program. That's next on the Battle Round. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get, so get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. 
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. O's fans, have you seen all of Maryland's minor league ball, ballparks? Pressbox is giving you the chance to check out all of them this summer. Head over to pressboxonline.com slash contest now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams, one Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25, and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older to enter, and the sweepstakes end June 14th. So get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now to sign up. Joining us now on the bat around from BaltimoreBaseball.com, he is Rich Dubrov. Rich, good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today? Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. We are Always happy to have you on. Always uh, joy to talk to some baseball with you, Rich. Orioles began their arguably their toughest twenty-five game stretch of the season last night with a nine to four victory over the Atlanta Braves. Dean Kramer one run in six innings pitch. Santander two home runs, including his first career grand slam. Cedric Mullins a home run and uh, two RBIs. Just a monster with runners in scoring position. At what point? Rich, do we stop saying that the Orioles' schedule was soft and that's why they were so good and start looking them looking at them as a legitimate contender this season? Well, I think that you, I think you can do that already. Uh, you know, they don't make up their schedule. This isn't, you know, college basketball where you can schedule, you know, some soft non-conference games against schmoes at the beginning of the season. You know, you play who, you know, you, you play who everybody else plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they won 17 out of, you know, they won what 18 out of 23 games. And that's pretty good. You know, that's pretty good. No matter who you're, you know, who you're playing against. Uh, but now you look at the, you look at their record now and they are 12 games over 500. They're 22 and 10. You're right now. They are 20%. The season's 20% over now. 
they're not going to win 110 games. No, absolutely I mean, not. but that's what that, that, that right now, that's what the record is, extrapolates to. And they, you know, they're, so they're, they can't be this good. I mean, the Rays, I think their record right now extrapolates to 132 wins. Mm-hmm. It's 131 or 132 wins, which is also, which is also not going to happen. But you look and you think, well, you know, so far the team looks pretty, looks pretty darn good. If they simply played 500 ball from here to the end of the season, which could be possible, they would win 87 games, which last year would have gotten them into the playoffs. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, I, I think that you can say that they're I, – I think – I mean, I felt that they were a legitimate contender going into the season. And, of course, all kinds of crazy stuff happens. True. And we have no ideas. But, there, but there, you know, there's some good trends and some, you know, and some not-so-good trends. But overall, they're playing really, really – they're playing really, really well. And, uh, you know, I guess who is it? Bill Parcells, who used to say you are what your record says you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, I guess they're the second. If, if that's true, they're the second best team in baseball. Yeah, uh, that, that's what I'm looking at it as. And we, Zach and I did a little uh, top five power rankings uh, segment today. And I put the Orioles at number two because they beat the team that was previously the second best record in baseball last night. And that's what you have to go off of. They're 22 and 10. They've won 18 of 23, 16 of 20. Now, I'd like to know, Rich, which is the more outstanding feat? The Orioles winning 11 straight series openers to start the year. First time it's happened since 1973 when the San Francisco Giants did it. Or Grayson Rodriguez re- failing to retire the leadoff hitter in each of his six first career starts. I mean, they're, they're, uh, I think that I think that the Rodriguez one is actually more important because uh, I think winning the first game of a series, I think that's sort of a that, that's sort of a fluky thing because right. you're counting. Well, they uh, you know they lost a couple you know they lost a couple of those series to uh, you know to start the season, so. I wouldn't, you know, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in that. I mean, it's a fun, you know, it's a fun statistic to write and to, and to talk about, but I think that Rodriguez's, uh, Rodriguez's is more important because all of a sudden, you know, to begin the game, you're putting a run, you know, you're putting yourself under pressure. You're putting your, you know, you're putting your team under pressure. And I, I think that's more, more noteworthy and more important or, like uh, to stop quoting, I'm going to quote a football coach for the second and final time in this conversation, <laughs> and that's Ron Rivera. And he likes to say, you know, you have to, you know, separate what's interesting from what's important. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, the um, uh, winning 11 straight series openers is interesting, and uh, Rodriguez not retiring the leadoff batter in any start is important. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. It's been, and, and to be fair, in his start before this past one, when he went five innings, two hits, one run, and nine. Right. I mean, I mean, one walk, no runs, and nine strikeouts. He let the first guy get on base, and then they got him out on an incredible play by Jorge Mateo. Got the the leadoff hitter out on a double play in his last start, um, which has helped the team out in each of the last two starts, although he wasn't very good on Thursday. But I think you're absolutely right. You have to separate the interesting from the important. It's important that he's putting his team in an early hole, and the Orioles have shown a propensity for coming back. But at some point, that's going to turn around. You would have to at least come back to the mean 
and he needs to start getting uh, getting guys out in the first inning for sure. And Rich, honestly, the starting rotation needs to start getting guys out. It's been up and down. In my opinion, they've been mediocre this year. Uh, they have one excellent week. A lot of mediocrity in this past week was really bad. We were just talking about Grayson. He's had four good to decent starts, two awful. Gibson consecutive duds after his 11 strikeout outing. Wells allowed three home runs in his last start, though it they were the only three hits he allowed. Bradish got smashed by Boston and then looked great until the fifth inning against Detroit. And Dean Kramer's been uneven, in my opinion, more bad than good, but he was good last night. Can this rotation settle in, and do you think they'll pull the trigger on a top-of-the-rotation arm at the deadline if they have to? Uh, yeah, yes, they would. I think they would pull the trigger on the top-of-rotation guy if they have to. But they also have... They also have other options in between now and then. One of them is D.L. Hall, mm-hmm. uh, who pitched really well, uh, you know, on, on Thursday. Uh, had his best start of the year uh, for Norfolk. Uh, three hits in, in five scoreless innings. Cole Irvin pitched very well last night. Uh, it was his only loss, but it was a hard. He was a hard luck loser. Right. Uh, two runs and four in and, and four hits in, in seven innings. And uncharacteristically, uh, the the tides didn't hit last night. Uh, so you have the you know you have those two guys. You have Drew Rom, who uh, who has pitched uh, really well at times for uh, for for Norfolk. And then of course there's also Spencer Watkins, who's still hurt now with his uh, with his finger. But uh, I think that you have you know you you have some uh, you know options down below. Uh, and then if things don't, you know, if things don't improve. And then there's another one who's supposed to come back in July, and that's John Means. So John Means, uh, you know, once you get to the trading deadline, John Means hopefully will have, uh, you know, will have worked maybe, uh, you know, you know, three or four starts. And you can see what you have, you know, you can see what you have there. But I think that, yeah, I, I think that that's something that, uh, you know, depending where they are, depending where they are in the standings, you can do that. They also, uh, depending on what happens with the bullpen, may you know may also, or trade for you know trade for another bullpen arm too, uh, because you know you mentioned the, the short starts, and that's putting a lot of pressure on the bullpen, and you can't you know and you know as Brian ba- or Brian Baker and uh, Yenier Cano and, and Batista. Are they gonna all pitch? Uh, you know, all pitch this well, uh, and then you have uh, you know. I know Gibbons is is getting close to to being ready, but Dylan Tate has uh, you know has not pitched well so far. Uh, you know, this year in uh, in his re in his rehab starts. So I mean, there there's some things to be concerned about when it comes to you know the rotation, and then of course you know it it, it impacts the bullpen. Yeah, and. And we've been we've been wondering, Rich, who's going to come up? Who's going to go down when Givens and Tate come back? Oh, right? oh, come on now. Let's let's stop this. You know, let's stop acting like fans and realizing that you don't know when they're going to come up. That's and they don't know when they're going to come up, and you don't know what's going to happen in between now and then. So fan fans are always saying this stuff, and it's uh, you know, and and. People ask me that people ask me this all the time and 
you got and and people ought to stop trying to forecast stuff that could be a few weeks ahead. Sure. Because you don't know what's going to happen in between now and then. You didn't. Okay. Uh, did you guys know that the Orioles were going to get uh, a third catcher this week? Nope. And then and then that uh, that impacts uh, what happens. You know uh, what happens with uh, with O'Hearn. Did you mm-hmm. think all of a sudden, did you think a week ago, oh yeah, they're going to send Ryan O'Hearn down? I thought you it was going to be Stowers. So, so don't think, so don't, you know, of course you can look at, at who's not pitching well right now for the Orioles and, and look at CNL Paris. And I know Mike Bauman all of a sudden has, uh, has had a couple of rough appearances and Aiken, uh, you know, at times hasn't, uh, hasn't pitched well, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not so sure that Dylan Tate's going to come up. Because uh, you know he's got to pitch better, and also he has a, he both he and Givens have thirty days down yeah. in uh, at Bowie, you know. So that's a long time. If they don't like what they see, they can uh, you know they can keep uh, uh, they can keep throwing them out there. Uh, Givens, I think, right now is showing that he's you know that he's not long from coming up. I, I think Givens is now well ahead of uh, well ahead of Tate. Yeah. And Tate could stay down there while. And also, unlike Givens, Tate has options. They can simply option him. If they don't like what they see, they can simply option him to Norfolk. And, yeah. he, can, and he can go there. So that's, a, so that's not an automatic. And again, who knows if somebody, uh, somebody gets hurt or, uh, or the, you know, somebody on the staff currently gets hurt or if there are other, um, you know, if other people uh, start underperforming. So, you know, it, it's really a disservice to just say, oh, yeah, what do you think now is going to happen in two weeks? Yeah, no, look, I understand the ire. I'm sure you get asked this question all the time. What I will say is that the fans are why we have a show. So I want to ask questions that the fans want to know the answers to. My sure, question... but, that's, but, but, but you're going you're to get an answer that's, that may be different than you expected. Well, I, I understand that. I, I also understand that, that Dylan Tate, a didn't have a spring training, so this is kind of like his spring training right now, and he might be—he's probably staying down there longer than Michael Givens is. I also understand that Mike Bauman has given up three home runs and seven runs in his last three outings, and that CNL Perez, though he's out of options, that leash has to be getting shorter at some point because he has been awful this season. So I guess that leads me to my next question is how long do they continue to trust CNL Perez? And I get it. The Orioles don't play him any blowouts. So there aren't many situations they can find to get him some mop up duty or some work in. That's not a close game. How much longer can Brandon high continue to go to CNL Perez before it's like, look, you just aren't doing the job. Not much longer. Um, the, you know, the, uh, because they have shown, they are, they have shown with what they are doing this year that, Every you know every game's important. Every win you know every win counts. How they lost if they had started this last season, you know, close to this well, then they they would have been in the you know then they would have been in the postseason uh, because they know last last season was basically made by that ten game winning streak. Yeah, you know, without that ten game winning streak, they you know yeah yeah they they would have shown some improvement. But they wouldn't have been, you know, a winning team. They wouldn't have been a winning team. They wouldn't have been in the playoff conversation. And they know that those ten-game winning streaks are few and far between. So yeah. they were they're maximizing 
the the opportunities to win early, you know, early in the season because they know how important these games are, and they started the season so poorly last year. So they are showing that they're not gonna they're not gonna just say, oh yeah, see you now. You know, you had a 1.4 ERA. You know, they they put them out there time after time, and you know, last season may have been an outlier. It happens with you know it hap- it happens oftentimes with um, relief pitchers. So no, I think his leash is pretty short. And if they you know and if they put him on waivers, he'd um, you know I, I would be pretty confident he'd be claimed by somebody. Uh, I mean I think like they put Crable on waivers on waivers this year, this week, and I think that you know I don't think he's going to clear. Uh, you know they they have they have much much better talent now. Than they've had in the past. They they're much deep. They're much deeper, and their patience is not going to be as great as it was, you know, in 2021 and early 2022. Yeah, and I I think that they've shown that to a certain degree this year. Now, what I do find a little compounding, a little bit of a head scratcher, and you mentioned it earlier, Rich is they've added Luis Torrens as a third catcher. I get that Maverick Hanley could have been on the taxi squad, but he has a hand contusion, and they don't want to mess around with that. I, I, I understand that, and he's, he's on the IL. Um, how long do you anticipate they're going to keep three catchers on their roster? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I also understand Adley hasn't had a full day off yet, and they like to DH Adley and catch McCann and vice versa, so that's why they made the move. But can they justify this for longer than a, than you know a week? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, I was, um, this, in this case, you know, I'm with the fans, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, I thought that this was a very, I thought that this was a very strange move too. uh, you know, to, to basically have, you have four bench players mm-hmm. and to have two of them as catchers, uh, you know, and I realized that McCann often is the, you know, is the DH, it seems a little, you know, seems a little strange. Because if you get a you you know you get an injury like you you know they had Austin Hayes out uh, for a few games this week. If you have one of those day to day injuries, that's really um, you know that, that's really making things difficult. Now the good thing is they have a lot of guys who you know who can play different positions. Now Frazier, uh, they've been using Frazier uh, in the outfield when Taron Vavra was up. You know they were using him uh, in the outfield. And to have, and I know Torrens, I think plays a little bit of, uh, a little bit of first base, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, not long from now they decided, oh, well, we're going to bring somebody else up and try and run Torrens through waivers and see if they can get them through waivers and keep them, uh, in the organization. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think that that's something, uh, you know, because they want to, you know, they've shown they'll play. They'll, as I said, they don't. They want to win each game. It's like, oh well, then they brought Joey Ortiz up last weekend um, because they were playing. They were going to face three left-handers, and you know, Vavra wasn't. You know, and Vavra wasn't going to play. And they thought, well, gee, we can get you know Ortiz. You know, we can get Ortiz up here. Uh, and then you know, they flipped out. They they got. Uh, you know, they got Torrens and they sent O'Hearn down and, and Stowers also, you know, came up. So I think that there's going to be a lot of churning uh, mm-hmm. with these last couple of position players throughout the season. And, and they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to utilize, um, you know, 
guys with you know guys with options, and they're going to try and you know go series by series and and see what uh, and see what works. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that with the bullpen too. With regards to the to that roster churning that you just alluded to there, Rich, um, you have three guys at the minor league level right now who are absolutely tearing the cover off the ball, and they play good defense. That's Colton Cowser, Jordan Westberg, Joey Ortiz. You mentioned Austin Hayes who's banged up. He's missed three straight games. We don't know if he's going to be in the lineup or not tonight. But at what point does it just become, all right, let's get Colton Cowser up here. Let's play him every day in right field. D.H. Santander, make either McKenna or Stowers our fourth outfielder. Uh, and then at one point, you have to bring one of those, one or both of those infielders in Westberg and Ortiz up, and you know, kind of say, "All right, Adam Frazier, thank you for what you've done, but these guys are younger and might be better." Well, they're going to have to show that. Okay, they're going to have to show that they are, you know, that they're better and they can do more stuff mm-hmm. at the, you know, at, at the major league level. And as long as the team is playing, you know, as long as the team's playing well. And right now, you know, they're playing for they're playing for Frazier regularly. Yeah. And Frazier has, you know, Frazier has has done a good job. And I think that the master plan was, you know, I, although, you know, Michael Elias certainly wasn't saying this, was, you know, when you get close, maybe, you know, the all-star break or trade deadline, then uh, then maybe one of these guys replaces um, Frazier on the roster. I don't know. But, you, you know. Bringing all those guys up is going to be hard, yeah. but those are the kind of guys who they may, you know, they may want to package in a deal. You know, mm-hmm. when you when you said, oh, well, will they, you know, will they go and try and get uh, a top of the rotation starter? Well, those are the kind of players who it's going to take to get, um, you know, a top of the rotation pitcher. Yep. Uh, you know, you're not going to just, you know, you're, you're not going to just be able to trade. Uh, you know your fifth rated minor league shortstop and, and Daryl Hernandez for um, you know a starting pitcher in, in Irvin. Uh, you know the, I think that they'll they'll try. You know teams will you know try and hold them up. You know if they know how badly they want these guys, that teams will, will demand these uh, you know these top prospects because they know how good um, you know how good some of them are, and they have other you know they have others they have you know. Uh, Connor Norby and, and Kobe, you know, and Kobe Mayo. Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of uh, interesting players that the team has in the farm system. And this is just, I, you know, I, I've been watching the Orioles for a long time, and this is the most fascinating time, you know, including the times they've won. Yeah. This is the most fascinating time I can, uh, I, I can remember because of, uh, you know how quickly and how well they've stocked the minor leagues and the major leagues. Oh, I think uh, I've been—I haven't been watching the Orioles as long as you, but I've been watching the Orioles for a very long time myself, Rich. And this is the most talented um, team from the majors through the minors that I've ever seen. And it's definitely probably one of the more exciting times to be a person that's a fan of the Orioles that covers the Orioles. It's certainly been a a great start to the year and a great time to be around the Baltimore Orioles for sure. Now, before we let you go, Rich, um, we play a game here called Take the Rake on the bat around. The rules are simple. I think I'll pass on, I think I'll pass on that and let you, and let the experts. You don't want to play? Not really. Okay. I'm not on play. I don't do fan. I don't do fantasy baseball. Sure. Uh, Oh, I don't do that either. And, (laughs) 
Yeah, and I don't get, you know, I don't do, you know, fan duels or anything. So I'll let you guys know. You guys follow that stuff. I'm going to let the experts, uh, the experts speak for me. All right. Well, that is a first in Bat Around Take to Rake history uh, of a guest opting out. Oh, All right, Rich, we will respect your wait, wishes. Wait, hold on. Uh, you're for, for, uh, oh, man, you're putting pressure on. You're putting pressure on me. Uh, Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman. Okay. He's going to take Adley that? Rutschman. That, that's, that's a great choice. Rich takes Adley Rutschman. Thank you for playing with us against your will. We certainly appreciate it, Rich. Have a great day. Oh, what's, what do you have coming up on BaltimoreBaseball.com? Can't have you on and not plug what you do. No, we have, you know, we have, we have daily coverage of the, of the Orioles. Uh, we have an interesting interview uh, in our minor league, uh, in our minor league slot uh, Monday morning with uh, Norfolk manager uh, Buck Britton. Uh, that'll be, uh, that'll be good. And we also have, as you know, columns by uh, the great Peter Schmuck. So uh, those are uh, those are already those are already always interesting. So uh, make sure and uh, check out BaltimoreBaseball.com. All right, Rich, thank you so much. We love checking out BaltimoreBaseball.com. Love talking to Orioles with you. We'll talk to you down the line. All right. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Take care. That was Rich Dubroff, who you can find over at BaltimoreBaseball.com on the regular. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a break, regroup and go over Take to Rake and The Bet Around, all next on The Bet Around. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season let's go o's whether your focus is luxury and comfort convenience and technologically advanced connectivity or sporty performance and aggressive styling we've got the perfect highlander for you check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new highlanders from your local toyota dealer today that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles, diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson, and Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. All right, welcome back to the bat around rolling right along here. We are almost done for the day and for the week. It is time now though for Take to rake, and right now, our guests are on a run. Mm-hmm. Steve Molesky took Austin Hayes and won. Then Dan Connolly took Cedric Mullins and won. Yeah. Bob Phelan took Ryan Mountcastle last week. Zach took Adley Rutschman. I took Jorge Mateo. Yeah. Mateo started the week hot. He has cooled off considerably. So, yeah. I, Zach, tell us the numbers for all okay. three. I got it. Um. I don't think I came close because Mateo had a no. really bad second half of the it's week. It's going to be between Rushman and Malcastle. We'll figure this out, but start with Mateo. He hit, he slashed 185, 241, 407. Uh, he had two home runs. He stole one base. He struck out seven times and only walked twice. That was Mateo. Uh, Adley Rutschman batted 308, 438, 423. Zero home runs, one RBI, six walks, four strikeouts, no stolen bases uh, on eight hits. Eight for 25. Or, sorry, eight for twenty-six, uh, and then Ryan Mountcastle was three thirty-three, three fifty-three, six ninety-seven, two home runs, eight strikeouts, one walk, zero stolen bases, eleven for thirty-three. So Mountcastle had more at bats than Rutschman, uh, considerably thirty-three of twenty-six. Rutschman had a four thirty-eight OBP compared to three fifty-three, but. Mountcastle had a 333 batting average compared to 308. Mountcastle slugged 697. Rutschman slugged 423. So let's look at let's look at this. It really went with Mountcastle got a lot more power, but Adley Rutschman walked a lot more and got on base so a lot more. Mountcastle of the 11 hits, eight were for extra bases. He uh, had okay, sure. He yeah. had a two homer game. He drove in mm-hmm. more runs, mm-hmm. and he slugged about 200 points higher. Yeah. Yeah, but Rushman got on base a lot more, so that's kind of. But I, it's 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 take to rake. I, now, I if, they, if they both equally if they both equally raked, and it comes down to the walks, but Mountcastle had the higher batting average, the higher slugging percentage. Also, struck out twice as much though. Struck struck out twice as much, but that's that that doesn't matter because when he did make contact, he was a more productive player. Look, I, I yeah, I, I probably agree with you. I, 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 I think I think that with with the batting average, the productivity. OPS the slugging percentage, well. the op- that's what I'm saying. The OPS was like over 1,000, and yeah. Rutschman's was like 840, right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I look at that, and I say, 
it's got to be Ryan Mountcastle. They okay. both had great weeks, but Ryan Mountcastle was a more productive pl- was a more productive player. Yeah, hit for more power. I mean, yeah. if Rutschman had hit for more power, he might have won. So if if you're going to count the walks and the strikeouts higher than you count home runs, doubles, RBIs, slugging percentage, and OPS, I don't think you can do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be Ryan Mountcastle. So Rich was right to pick first, and he took Adley Rutschman. That means, Zach, you pick second. Okay. You're on the clock. Uh, I don't want to go Mateo. He's been a little bit cooling down. Uh, I'll go Cedric Mullins. I think Mullins is going to really heat up and usually wins for me. So I'll, I'll take Cedric. All right. I'm going to take the hot hand. I'm taking the Anthony Santander. I knew you were going to go that way. I knew you were going to go that I, way. I, yeah. I have to, especially when we get into the better round which is coming up in just a matter of moments. So again, just to recap, Rich begrudgingly takes Adley Rutschman, Zach takes Cedric Mullins, and I take Tony Taters, Anthony Santander, Tony Taters with an S. And now it's time for the better round. We did not do the better round last week because we have been just falling flat on our faces. We started out the year 2-0, and telling you to take Austin Hayes to Homer and uh, off of Chris Sale, and Alex Verdugo to homer off of Dean Kramer. They both homered, yeah. and we started 2-0. and Since then, we are 1-10. Mm-hmm. We have three wins. And when I say we, I mean me. I have, th- <laughs> I, I have three wins and ten losses under my belt on the season. I'm sorry, three wins and seven losses in ten picks. Three and seven in ten picks. Took last week off. We're back with a vengeance this week. I did a little bit of research, and I saw that a fair number of Rays hitters hit very well against Domingo Herman. He's taking on Rasmussen for the Rays today. I took the over 7.5 runs at minus 118 in the Yankees-Rays game. The over 7.5 runs at minus 118. I think the Rays are going to beat up on Herman and his 4.46 ERA. I think Rasmussen is going to going to um, stop the Yankees' bats, especially because they are real, their their lineups really beat up right now. They have, they're missing some of their their key core guys. I think the Rays are going to run away with this game. I'm thinking they're going to win something like eight to two, something like that. Um, so I'm taking the over seven and a half runs at minus 118 in the Yankees and Rays. And in that same game, Randy Arosarena has a home run and 11 career at bats against Domingo Herman. He's hitting over 320 this year with nine home runs. I took him plus 420 to Homer. Now in the Orioles game, Anthony Santander has a propensity right now. One, he's homered in back to back games. Two, he has four consecutive multi-hit games, which is why I'm taking him and take to rake. And three, he has a propensity for hitting home runs off of really good starting pitchers. You remember the two-homer game back in 2020 against Max Scherzer? He took um, Max Freed deep last night. I took Santander at plus 470 to homer tonight uh, against the Braves. But I also took Spencer Strider at minus 245 at 8 plus K's. Orioles are striking out a little bit more than they were earlier in the year right now. You have some free swingers in that lineup. Um, I'm I'm taking Spencer Strider to try and kind of right the ship for the Braves a little bit tonight and strike out 8-plus Orioles at minus 245. Alright, so that's the bet around today here on the bet around. And now to close things out, final thoughts, and we're going to weigh in 
Ten days later, on the Ori- on the Orioles, on the Ravens, signing Lamar Jackson, five years, two hundred and sixty million dollars. What or two hundred and sixty? It was sixty. Yeah, two hundred and sixty million million dollars. What was the signing? The guaranteed one hundred eighty-four. I believe one hundred eighty-four million. 185. million. They have so their franchise quarterback for the next five years. Yep. He said all the right things at his press conference. Yep. Looked happy. He, looked genuinely happy. Looked genuinely happy. He said he never wanted to leave. That no. the trade request was just to kind of get the ball rolling. I don't know if I believe that. I don't. But, I don't believe that. I mean, he has to say that now because he's here. Um, right. He signed basically the same deal he was offered back in September, but the Ravens. Got a lot better yeah. on the offensive side of the ball before he signed. Oh my! Um, and yeah. then, a- and then after he signed. Um, so let's first talk about. Now you have OBJ with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Zay Flowers in a second. Sure. Um, thoughts on the Lamar Jackson signing? Well, it's huge. Obviously, I, I think this is a great thing for the Ravens for this to be over. This is a huge PR boost for them. Finally, not going back and forth with uh, Lamar and looking bad, as I think both sides did. I think both sides looked horrible through this process. And I, this is the first time I've seen Lamar Jackson genuinely happy in about two years. I don't think he's looked this happy and this excited to be back. It's a really, really great thing for both sides. And hopefully Lamar Jackson is worth 185 guaranteed. I think he is. I mean, Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson is a top talent. It, it, no one's really questioned that. 185 guaranteed is a huge amount of money. Absolutely insane. He's the number one paid player in football now. He's going to have to prove that. And he actually has the talent to do it. There's there's no excuse this year for Lamar Jackson like there has been in the past. There, there you know, There is no receiver that isn't talented on this team right now. Every yeah. guy has talent. Yeah. Uh, and that's never been the, the case before for Lamar Jackson. They and have, he's got Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews on the tight end side. four first-round wide receivers in their receiver room right now. Yeah. And, and, then, o- and OBJ, then Devin DuVernay. Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, yeah. and Nelson Aguilar. Those yep. are, that, that's your top four. Yep. Not in, in no particular order. That's your top four. And then, by the way, Devin DuVernay, who's one of the best return men in football, and had three touchdowns the first two or three weeks to receiving alone last year, and yeah. then he got hurt. Their receiving room looks a lot better. Oh, it's not even close. It, and it, I, I want to say, I'm going to go out on the limb and say this is the best receiving room the Ravens have ever had. I don't think there's been a better one. Yeah, all around, yeah. I think you're right. But when they had Derek Alexander and Michael Jackson yeah. back in 1996. A really long time ago, but yeah. They, they, were, yeah. they were really good back then. Um, as far as Lamar Jackson... How do you give somebody that kind of money? The argument would be, how do you give somebody that kind of money, well, that, that much of a guarantee, when they've spent the end of the year, in the, each of the last two years, injured? And that's but, a huge but, question mark. But, but, but here's what yeah. happened. Two years ago, Lamar Jackson got hurt in the pocket, running away from the line because nobody, because nobody could get open. Yep. Yep. Last year, Lamar Jackson got hurt when he got sacked from behind and his knee buried straight into the ground. Yeah. Running away because it wasn't like the guy just broke through the line and was there immediately. Yeah. Nobody could get open. Here's the thing: Is Odell Beckham going to burn past you for a 75-yard touchdown on a vertical these days? Probably not. But is he one of the best route runners in football? Undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. And that's what they need. They, yeah. They've uh, never had a guy like that. Him, Flowers, Bateman. Yeah, Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers. All is great in, route runners. I was going to say Zay Flowers. I think was the best route runner in this draft. Is what I'm hearing from a lot of the people who are are well connected. And that's 
what they need. Uh, yeah. and and he has the and he has the talent and the speed to, to burn past guys too. You you reminded me of this. He looks a lot like Hollywood in a lot of ways. Who, but he's much more muscular. But he's much more muscular, and the fact that he actually tries to make 50-50 catches instead of bowing down like Hollywood. He doesn't get the alligator arms. Right. So here's here's the deal. And Nelson Aguilar is the guy who's going to burn past you. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who now he might not catch it. Yeah, but he's gonna burn past. And Devin you. Duvernay can do that and, as well. And Duvernay can do that. And Flowers can do that. Yeah. Bateman can do that. We saw Bateman take, yeah, take a Miami. slant over the middle yeah. against Miami and take it seventy-five yards for a touchdown. Yeah. When Bateman was healthy last year, Bateman, Andrews, and Duvernay alone made Lamar Jackson look like the front runner for MVP through the first three or four weeks of the exactly. season. Exactly. Exactly. Having a wide receiver room like that, and oh by the way, you have three tight ends in Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, and Charlie Kohler yeah. that can catch the the freaking football. I almost yeah. dropped the f bomb. On paper, they look really good. And oh, yeah. by the way, they have a really strong offensive line. They need to figure out right guard. I mean, left guard. Yeah. But they have a really strong offensive line, and they have two really good running backs. They do. Oh, and J.K. Yeah, Dobbins do. and Gus and Edwards. Then, and then I, you know, Justice Hill never gets credit, but Justice Hill's really good. He's, he was I, he was really good last year. If you remember the Steelers game, the COVID game, where mm. there was basically no offensive starters for the Ravens, and Justice Hill was with RG3, he looked like the best player on the team by far. He was unbelievable in that mm-hmm. game. He was the, the elusiveness of Justice Hill is really second to none on this team. I think he's he could be even more elusive than Lamar Jackson in a lot of cases. He's slippery. Last year, he looked really good until he hurt his hamstring. He did. He looked really good. Yeah. The Ravens' offense might be the most complete offense that we, and this includes 2019, mm-hmm. might be the most complete offense we have ever seen. Well, I, I think I would argue it's the most complete team they've ever had. Yeah. The, uh, the, and that, the biggest hole for me is is cornerback, still. Uh, Rocky Sin. Yeah, Rocky Sin's going to be the number two. And mm-hmm. that's okay. I mean, I, I think that's an upgrade for Marcus Peters. He was pretty bad down the stretch. Yeah, but he was also just just coming off the knee injury. That's true. They could bring him back. They they, they could, could. Still, they could still bring him back at their number and and have him be the, a, a a third corner for them. Yeah. Uh, like uh, uh, so. So I, I read a little bit on Rocky Sin though, and the fact that he didn't get a lot of media coverage was because the the Raiders defense was. And the secondary specifically was basically the worst in the NFL last year. But Rocky Sim was the only shining bright spot from that Raiders and defense. He hits. And he hits hard. And he strips the football. A lot like Marlon Humphrey. Very mm-hmm. similar playing style. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, look, they health is the number one thing. Now, look, they got rid of Steve Saunders, which is going to help them a lot. Because it should. All those guys. You saw Judon tweeting out about it. You yep. saw um, Derek Wolf, who's kind of a piece of garbage. Yeah, anyway. yeah. I mean, you're the one who's carrying a 700 pound bear on your shoulders. Um, Derek Wolf is not the most reputable source on this. Right, but you've seen uh, <laughs> so many players coming out. Yeah. I mean, they got an F in strength and conditioning. Who was the guy who went on the podcast the other day and, and talked about it? I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. It was someone really relevant that was... A, it might have been Steve Smith, but I can't remember exactly who it was who was all over their strength and conditioning staff and yeah. said it was the worst he'd ever seen. Yeah. So, so uh, forcing guys to lift heavier than they probably normally would and uh, forcing them to work out more than they would, and they're getting hurt. Football's a contact sport. I get it, but yeah. it was ridiculous. Yeah, those... That guy's gone. They have a new offensive coordinator. If they can stay healthy, they're they have. I guess they don't have to be, and I guess I I have the purple Kool Aid and the blinders on. But for <laughs> me, they have to be the best team in the in the AFC. I think they are. They have I, to be the, the best team in the AFC. Uh, the, their defense is going to be nasty. Mm-hmm. Their offense is going to be nasty. My one worry that comes out of this draft that I don't think they necessarily uh, got really anything to replace is Clay's Campbell's gone. And the run defense before Class Campbell was horrible. 
And I'm really hoping that Matt Abike can step up and take that place. Well, Michael, but I don't know. Michael Pierce is going to be back. Michael this Pierce year. will be back. Matt, yeah. Matt, Matt Abike. Brent, Brent Urban as well. Brent Urban. Um, there's somebody that we're leaving out. What's his name? Harris? You're thinking of uh, Washington, right? No, Br- Broderick Washington Broder- will be back. Broderick Washington. But then there's also another guy who they took in the draft a couple of years ago and he was hurt all last year. What is his freaking name? I feel like it begins with an H. Uh, I'll look it up. I, I, I know who you're talking about. Uh, I, I think that they have enough bodies, plus they have Roquan back there. Uh, they took, what's his name, Simpson? Is that his name? Yeah, Trent, Trenton Simpson, yeah. Trenton Simpson, um, and they, and then Patrick Queen is still there. Adafi Owe and... Um, Travis Jones, by the way, is the guy you were looking for. Travis that's, Jones, that's who but, they but, took high in the draft last Tra- year. Travis Jones, but then who's he? Uh, there's another guy. That's not who I was thinking of, but I forgot about Travis Jones. And then there's another guy. A defensive tackle? Uh, Rashad Nichols, but I've never heard no, of Rashad Nichols. No. I don't think it's him. Uh, maybe, maybe they cut him. They, they might have. Um, he was hurt last year. By the way, AJ makes the argument in the comments that they aren't even the best team in the division. I mean... Uh, they're better than the Bengals. I think they're better than the Bengals. I think the defense is quite a bit better than the, the Bengals' defense. Yeah, the, the, the defense... You can make the, an argument the Bengals have the best offense in the division. I, I could get behind that. Well, they have the best receivers. They do. They have the, they be- they, they have the best receivers for now. The, the Ravens' running game and offensive line are far better. He, he makes a point that they don't have enough depth, and I, I could agree with that, especially in the corner for cornerback. I mean, if Marlon Humphrey gets hurt, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. They, they will be in trouble, and they will have to make a quick move to replace Marlon Humphrey because Rocky Sin and Brandon Steele okay. ain't going to get done. If Joe Burrow gets hurt, they're going to be in trouble. If Joe Mixon gets hurt, they're going to be in trouble. If if if, if Jamar uh, Chase I'm, I'm gets just, hurt. I'm just playing devil's advocate. But if, I, anybody gets, if any key player on any team gets hurt, your team's going to be in trouble. Cornerback has historically been the most injured place for the Ravens. They get oh, injured absolutely. there every year. That's why every year when everybody's like, oh, this is the deepest they've ever been a corner. You right. can't afford to lose. I'm like, no, you can't. That's why I personally, I like the Zay Flowers pick. It's growing on me, but I would have liked to see a corner take in the first round. See, I, for, I wanted I wanted out of Oregon, uh, the guy went to the Patriots. Who, um, the name's blanking at me right now. Oh, I don't know. I, I I'm not I'm not familiar with college prospects. All I know is that Hollywood got taken. Everybody's like, oh, he's the best. He's the best receiver in the draft. And there's like seven guys who got taken in that draft after him, yeah. or far better than yeah. he is. Then it was Bateman, and it's like, oh, he's incredible. He's got great hands, runs great routes. He's big. He's strong. He's a physical wide receiver. Yeah. He's played 12 games in two years. Yeah. Okay. Then so now it's like I told after Bateman got hurt for the year last year, I said I am never, ever getting excited about a Ravens wide receiver taken in the first round. Ever again. Uh, I, I, Here we are. I hope. No, I'm not excited about Zay Flowers. I'm not. I have hopes. I, I know you are. I know you are. I, I have hopes that he can be good, but until he actually does it, why should I believe what anybody says ever yeah. about a first-round Ravens wide receiver? They've had five first-round wide receivers in their history, and they've had five yeah. whiffs I, to I, this point. I'm no NFL scout. Believe me, but I will say I even think that Bateman's tape from college looked a lot better than Zay Flowers. But, I, again, Zay Flowers is a position of need. Uh, AJ makes the comment that they've never developed a first-round wide receiver, and you're absolutely right. I mean, they, yeah. they never have done that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you it's, look a back qu- it's a questionable take. Travis Taylor was a top-ten pick. At Mark Clayton. Two. Sorry, go ahead. M- Marcus, Mar- Mark Clayton was a first, He was 5'9", and like ran like a 4740. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> then they, they they take um well Mark Mark Clayton ended up going to the uh, the Dolphins and being pretty decent correct you're thinking two different Mark Clayton oh that's a different Mark Clayton different oh, okay, Mark Clayton. okay 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 he was around before that Mark Clayton got, got it got it got it got it um so Travis Taylor Mark Clayton Brashad Perryman a he looked like he was 43 when they drafted him and he was hurt and he never did anything for the for the Ravens then Hollywood and then Bateman why should I ever believe 
the first round wide receiver the Ravens take is good until I see that he's actually good. I have to well, see. I'm, it. I'm definitely thinking of a wrong Mark Layden. Yeah. <laughs> I have You're to. Right. I have to see it with my own two eyes. Yeah. That Zay Flowers is legit. Uh, you can't. Do, I don't care. A. I don't care what his college tape looks like. He's playing against other college players who aren't going to be in the NFL. He's not playing against NFL players in those in those college tapes. B. He's five foot ten. C. He's never done it at the NFL level. And you told me these big things about everybody else that they took, and they were yeah. wrong. My, my question, uh, actually, and, and my dad brought this up when we were watching the draft together, that Boston College is a question, I think. Because, I again, I'm not a huge college football guy. Not Matt a college Ryan football went scout. to Boston College. Yeah, and Matt Ryan ended up being a really, really good NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Boston College isn't an Alabama or a Georgia or nope. one of the huge producers of NFL talent. That's that's my only point there. And it's Boston a, College. It's not a a Power Five school. It's not one of the ones that's always producing these guys. So yeah. that's I guess that's my point there. Yeah, we'll see. Ravens on paper look really good, but the game's not played on paper. Yeah. Anything else you want to add today? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I do not. That's going to do it for us here on the Bat Around. Thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thanks to Rich Dubrow for coming on the show again with us. Always great to have Rich on the program. Thank you to Zach for all the hard work he does in his brilliant power ranking segment today. Um, thank you to our listeners. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to our um, sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. And thanks to me for being the host of this awesome show. <laughs> thanks, Paul. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a thankless job. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Go O's. We'll see you next week. See ya.